Good evening, Internet, and welcome back to our friendly little podcast, Kenter at Your Own Risk, episode number 46, where Kent, Kevin, and Chris are going to discuss uh, probably our top five and maybe a bunch of honorable mentions for a genre of horror that is kind of niche, but also kind of uh, pretty awesome and doesn't get mentioned very often in gothic horror, uh, also branching into fairy tales. Uh, first of all, it's been a couple weeks since we guys have done this. I'm doing good. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch a ton of uh, horror stuff lately, but, uh, you know, I've been trying. Kent and Kevin, how are you guys doing? I'm good. Um, yeah, I didn't watch as many as I would have liked either of this kind of genre, but I did get in my bare minimum, so... Uh, <laughs> well maybe not bare minimum but like what what i the the low bar <laughs> gotcha can't how about you how you doing i've had vertigo all weekend so i did not get in there's three movies in particular i really wanted to watch or i started to and fell asleep because the medication for it puts my ass to sleep so uh I'm not completely wholly unprepared, but I, this is probably a, a pretty low bar for me as far as preparation goes. But thanks, I've seen enough. Uh, I, I, first off, I just want to say that I like I liked the idea of this, and simultaneously, I opted not to do anything with fairy tales because I could kind of do a whole list on fairy tales in and of itself so I kept mine very just gothic for whatever the hell that's worth and, and I guess I kind of wanted to just start off by asking uh, I'll, I'll ask Kevin since he's the uh, one that came up with this Kevin what the hell were you thinking here gothic gothic doesn't mean anything according to the internet and the internet's never wrong well, so well, defend yourself it, it means a lot of things but it, but it's not really clearly defined um, in in film, uh, mostly, uh, but I honestly didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I had like a sense of what it meant, but then once I said it out loud to you guys and then you're like, Oh yeah, we're going to do it this month. And then I'm like, what's a classic movie. I don't even know. Like I knew of, um, you know, there's a lot of like vampire movies and, and then you start getting into like the architecture of it and, uh, Oh, you just you watch the movie called Gothic, and there you go. That's and then you watch Gothica, and you're all set. Yeah, those got away from me actually. I, but I was like, this is the time that I finally watched Gothic. I only been staring down that cover for years. The video store, like thirty thirty some odd years, and I, dude, I was feeling yeah. the same thing, and I completely didn't watch it. Either. I think I tried watching yeah, it as a neither. kid. Have you, has any, have you never seen it before? Anyone? No. I've I've seen snippets of it, but my parents uh, like the big reason they didn't want us to watch was because of the sex. So, yeah, maybe yeah. that's why. So that actually should have made me want to see. Maybe it. Maybe that's why I didn't finish it all the way. I thought we thought it was kind of boring, but maybe because I think my dad did rent it one time, but I don't know that I actually got to see it. So that that might be that might be why. Um, but I do feel like I started watching it and I wasn't I'm gonna, into it. I'm going to toss this out here. Since since I did t- 
this is probably the most prepared part I have for this whole podcast. Is like, here's a list of things that kind of, if I search between different sites and different lists, these were kind of like the characteristics of Gothic because uh, for the past month I've been like, hey, I'm doing a Gothic podcast. And then people are like, what's Gothic other than Dracula and Frankenstein? And I'm just like, oh, you left out Edgar Allan Poe. And then I'm sitting there like a fucking jackass because I really don't know. So for... Anybody listening to this, here's some gothic characteristics per the internet. I don't know, but um, environment of fear, threat of supernatural events, intrusion of the past upon the present, or like being like hauntings, uh, claustrophobia, castles, religious buildings, crypts, vengeful persecution, not just any persecution, but vengeful. Um, some kind of imprisonment, murder, um, stories that, like, aren't necessarily told, like, in chronological order, um, stories that may have changing narrators, um, stories that have, like, a sleep-like, death-like, or dream-like states at some point or another, um, there could be something to do with, like, echoes or silence, uh, there could be something to do with discovery of obscured family ties, which I did come across in a couple of these, and demons, possessions, and ghosts. And those were, like, the main criteria among, like, the stuff that I came across. I have no idea if you guys have any other criteria that you came about, came about that, like, led to anything gothic, by any chance? I, I don't know. Uh, the, the major stuff I've always seen... I'm talking about gothic horror. It's definitely you know, uh, slow burn versus in your face. Uh, it's it's not focused on gore and terror and uh, shock. It's more uh, like suspense. The the environment suspense building a, like a feeling of dread. You know isolation um but uh a lot of the um the trappings that we see in typically what we think of gothic horror uh usually revolve around kind of like that uh elizabethan um maybe even older time frame um in regards to the way the settings look like Anything Poe is pretty much, you know, like a perfect example of uh, a good foundation for Gothic horror. Um, I mean, so think of think of there and go on from Edgar Allan. Oh. Yeah, I think Poe's kind of basically the, the poster child of the genre, quite frankly. Like, I came in really thinking of Dracula and Frankenstein, but so much, every list involved at least one or two Poe stories. So, really seemed like a safe bet. Yeah, and I got, like, a, a lot of, uh, this list I have, um, it's, it's ten key elements of gothic literature, and a lot of it is, like, set in a haunted house. It's mostly the cliches of it, damsel in distress, set in a haunted house, or castle, um, burdened male protagonist, and atmosphere of mystery suspense kind of a lot of the things that you said but in like 
maybe a little oh this one's funny the weather is always awful but that's not like every single one but <laughs> that i watched but well, yeah it is it's pretty spot on pretty true. Uh, and dreaming and nightmares which you guys definitely hit on so yeah you guys want to get into this all right let's do it take it away so Kevin. my number five is spencer uh 2021 directed by pablo lorraine uh screenplay by stephen knight as the movie opens it's it says keep noise to a minimum they can hear you it's a sign inside um the kitchen at the i guess the buckingham palace because this is the story of princess diana but not my mother's princess diana movie for sure um it's a paranoid psychological drama told in the style of a grim fairy tale with gothic horror elements uh with the damsel in distress but is also the burdened protagonist uh princess diana played by kristen stewart and she is trapped on the grounds of i guess the royal palace um, during a week of Christmas in 1991, and Princess Diana is haunted by the ghost of Henry VIII and his wives that he married and murdered after meeting another woman. Uh, estranged from her husband, Prince Charles, but still on the same grounds and still has dinner every once in a while. Uh, it's like all of the worst fears you could have about living with your ex, but like on this grand scale. Um, where everyone, where everyone's watching her in, in this, uh, it's, it's cool. All right. So this isn't like, wouldn't really be considered a horror, but there is elements of it and the way it's shot and the music to it all are kind of have that like horror feel, the aesthetic, um, of kind of maybe more modern horror films uh, with that newer kind of like moving camera panning and suspense music. Uh, but with like a real like princess from my lifetime and it kind of has like a fable aspect um, and it kind of like takes princess Diana and puts her in this other kind of like su- supernatural esque world. Um where she kind of lives on through these, like, I don't know, like the old stories of King Henry the eighth. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, it's kind of like a real life ghost story because she dies, but not in the film. We just know that about her. So it was a really, it was a really cool take on it. Um, Pablo Lorraine did the Jackie O movie with Natalie Portman and I don't think I only saw a little bit of it, but it didn't really have the, the paranoid feel that this does. And, um, he did Lizzie's story, I think on Apple TV, which is a Stephen King thing. So it was kind of a little bit of a combination of both of those, but I think the best way to describe this movie is that, if you take a lifetime movie about princess Diana and then you get like Darren Aronofsky to direct it and like 
kind of like a black swan sort of way. And uh, you kind of get Spencer. So have you guys seen this? You've heard of it? Oh, nice. Actually, yes. Yeah, I've seen it. I watched it with my wife. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. Eh, I mean, I'm not going to judge anybody's um, list, but you know, this is definitely a very uncomfortable movie. It's not like something you watch and you to like feel good about like Princess Diana's life. Yeah, I was describing this movie to my mom when I first saw it. I was so stoked on it, and she's just like, "What is she paranoid about?" It's like, I don't know, but super paranoid. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they did a good job with the, um, not just the paranoia, but you know, like all of the the mental shit that she was going through. Yeah, you know, like the the kitchen scenes, you know, stood out to me. What about you, Cat? Uh, no, I, I haven't seen it. I I avoid Kristen's as much as humanly possible. So, you know, this one just—I didn't know this movie existed. To be fair, so. But you did name drop Darren Aronofsky and Black Swan, so I, uh, is this available uh, streaming Hulu. someplace? Uh, Hulu. Yeah, it was Netflix, wasn't it? Is what I saw. Hulu. Okay, yeah. By the way, fuck Netflix. Sorry, gotta say it. I just got billed for $30 for having one additional profile on my thing. I'm like... $30, that's what, where we're at for Netflix? For Like, that seems extraordinary for, like, for Netflix. Am, am I bucks? wrong for saying that? For two... 30 bucks a month. Profiles? That's ridiculous. Yeah, for two profiles. It, it seems like a lot. Like, 20... Maybe like twenty two is like the max. I haven't so paid I'm for Netflix in a while. Very unhappy. But that's my that yeah. that that's that's my offering for no, for it should be like thirty bucks film. a year. Maybe Sorry. not, but like a hundred bucks a year. So that's like three months. Prices have gone up so much from from where they used to be. Well, Shutter yeah. just raised their price up to seven a month now, so I'll be getting rid of that until October, most likely. And what else? Something else just went up. But at least Paramount and Showtime combined forces give us a little Captain Planet shit, so that's a minor perk. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Calling Paramount Captain Planet. You're welcome. Okay. Number right, Kevin, four we'll next. is uh, The Lure, 2015. I meant to actually look up the director's name like on a video or something, because I do not think I can pronounce this. Agnieszka Smazaka. I have never even tried to pronounce that, so I'm sorry to the director uh, if you ever hear this. Um, this was a Criterion. Um, and it's also on Max right now. Um, so this is loosely based on The Little Mermaid and screenplay by Robert Ballesto. And a lot of gothic movies, a lot of fairy tale stuff has a lot of those gothic elements to it. Um, 
this one is probably the furthest away from from gothic but uh it's set in the 1980s with two mermaids join a nightclub uh music act one falls in love uh and the other eats men's hearts quite literally this is a horror story musical and a fairy tale with one that falls in love must marry or she and her sister will turn into sea foam which is prophesized by a trident who is the singer of a metal band. Uh, did I mention that this movie is uh, Polish? So, uh, this And it's also super wild. Tons of nudity. Um, the full frontal has the mermaid's anatomy looking like Barbie dolls, though, which and, it, and the special effects, the CGI, I'm guessing that some of it, at least the mermaid stuff, it all looks it all looks pretty good. I have no idea what the budget was for this, but uh, one of them cuts off their tail to be human and marry the bass player. Uh, but to him, he's kind. Of, she's just kind of always a fish, uh, and has the the she loses her voice as a nightclub act. It actually has more effect than say Ariel in the little mermaid and she is totally bloodied up from the surgery and that grosses him out too. So this guy is really, I think not even worth her time anymore, but I highly recommend this. The lure. Have you guys heard this one? And Oh, also this was like one of the first movies I watched on criterion, uh, like a random watch. And, uh, and I was like, I, I'm never getting rid of this channel. So, Never heard of it. Sounds kind of batshit crazy. Is I, I love Kevin's lists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gives me something to kind of be like, well, if I'm having a weird night and I want to get a little more freaky, I just pull up whatever the hell Kevin just told us in a podcast. Yeah, this is a good one. There's my night, usually. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, is is it something uh, fun to watch um, with other people? I don't, you know, what, to watch maybe because I don't Kevin. know. You should probably watch it alone. But uh, yeah, it's it's not one. I don't know. Yeah, if if people who like horror and like kind of like wild movies, yeah, this is definitely one. It's an hour and a half, and it also has a bunch of music in it. It is a musical. It's, uh, but it's like cooler music. It's. It's not really like show to I don't know it's it it's its own thing but yeah I think it's I think it's fun it's uh I would you could definitely watch this movie with beers with people it's but it's definitely takes itself serious with being wild all right I mean. If I could watch yeah. Salo and yeah. Possession with people, yeah. I feel yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's not as wild as Possession. By those but standards, I'm not guessing. much is. Got it, Chris. I'm guessing you ain't seen it. No, no, I haven't seen it either. Yeah, yeah so it's uh, one of the it movies seems that like something I will watch. Max so. picked up through like I don't know the Criterion. Indeed. I don't know. There's like a certain percentage of Criterion movies. I think it's a lot of the ones that 
Warner Brothers or whatever owns them. I don't know what the real connection with Criterion and Max is, but there is a decent amount of the batshit movies. Like Haxon is on there too on Max, which is a cool documentary. And probably you could fit on here because of the time era of the witches and stuff like that. But anyways, moving on. Number three, Rebecca, 1940, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, written by Robert E. Sherwood and Joan Harrison, a handsome aristocrat, Maxim de Winter, played by Laurence Olivier, meets a young woman, Joan Fontaine, and they fall in love, and he moves her to her estate, making her his second wife after his first wife, Rebecca, died a year before it seems Rebecca still has a presence over the staff uh, and Maxim and especially the head of housekeeper uh, in her absence. This also isn't like full on horror and really doesn't reveal that it's even a suspense movie uh, until like 30 minutes in like most uh, Hitchcock movie or his better ones, anyways. Uh, it's like the power that she has over the staff of the estate, and especially the head housekeeper, is kind of like it immediately gets tense and creepy, and it almost has a feeling of Rebecca is a ghost haunting the new Mrs. De Winter, but maybe just her, I don't know, hold, or is it the, the housekeeper was just super obsessed with her because everything gets, um, compared to Rebecca, the first, uh, Mrs. De Winter. And an interesting thing is that the second Mrs. De Winter doesn't even have a first name in this movie, which I, I think is pretty cool. Uh, and you know, it comes in, I don't know if it's like would be considered a noir, but like most noir films from that period have that like where everything gets explained and wrapped in a, a neat bow and it and it has all of that about Rebecca's death and how, and it's you know mysterious or in true gothic fashion, you know, Maxim has a secret. Is he still in love with Rebecca? Uh this movie is a great film and actually won Best Picture. Uh, in 1941. Uh, and it kind of, I don't know, just to me, I don't know about like other people and what they would get from this, but it just kind of feels like about the harm that death can have, like on our lives when, you know, can't, when we don't move on or let go or can't, uh, but I don't know if everyone else would get that, but I, I, I kind of got that this time around. So do you guys know of uh, this one? Oh, there's also a remake on Netflix with army hammer, which I, and Lily James that I haven't seen. Uh, you know, what? this is one that I know about. I've, I've heard about it. I've read about it, but I've never watched uh, mostly when I was like, doing my Hitchcock studies and getting into him. Uh, it's definitely one that, that ranks up there. I think it was his first um, American success, you know, the first one that crossed over for him. Uh, 
Yeah, and like you said, it's it's been remade like four or five oh, different really? times. I think three movies and a miniseries on BBC. The the BBC one looks good because it uh, Charles Dance, who I really like, played um the the Lawrence Olivier part, and Diana Rigg from the uh, the old uh, TV Ty show Wayne The Avengers Lannister? played um uh, his wife. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that that's cool. When was that made? Yeah, Tywin Lannister. I think 97, 98, that's somewhere cool. around there. What about you, Kent? Uh, nope. I think I have this on Blu-ray. I have a lot of... I have two big Hitchcock collections on Blu-ray, and I haven't delved into them, um, aside from like the huge names. Like Most of them I just haven't hit up. And I did see this, though, on like two or three of the lists that I came across. Um, it just... I. I it was a matter of making time for something that I, I wasn't 100 percent sold out on Blu-ray at the moment. Do, so is, I is did it not just watch it. are they individual Blu-rays? Or are they collected? It's two different collections. Uh, one has I don't know I want to say like 13 movies, and the other one has like I don't know five or six of them. Uh, so. I'm I'm guessing. I mean, maybe. Rebecca yeah, may I, not I be see on either one, but I'm speculating. Rebecca's that got the Criterion it release, probably but is. I don't know if it had a previous single release. I, I had um I had a like a 28 disc Hitchcock collection at one point, but it was uh old old DVD low res quality stuff, so it wasn't one of the things that. That I kept because trying to watch. It I think now, I have that like, collection. I don't know. I have a big one. Something that I, I see. You know, yeah, I didn't like have HD any movies that I heard of, but oh yeah, it was, that's not the it, one. I it had a, it had a couple good ones. Like if I remember correctly, it had like Rope, Vertigo, The Birds. Um, but it, it, I remember it was like a yeah. black case, and you know how they had those really, really thin DVD cases back in the day. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it was it was like yeah, fourteen cool. of those, uh, like two sided. Yeah, and he did. Uh, this is like his first movie. I don't know if it was his. It was his first big hit though in the states. But yeah, there was a whole uh, British Hitch- Hitchcock uh, like collection on Criterion for a while, and it was like a bunch of movies that didn't year of and i the foreign correspondent is the only one i think that i watched of his before 1940 era the before he came to the states all right well i highly recommend it uh yeah number two yeah (laughs) the phantom of the opera 1925, directed by Rupert Julian. Uh, This movie was a first-time watch for me uh, of any of the Phantom of the Operas. I think I may have seen, like, parts of Andrew Lloyd's 
Weber's, uh, like, uh, in music class or something, but, uh, it takes a little bit getting into, and also, as Chris was just saying about, uh, watching some lesser quality films now, but it was, for 1925, it, it was pretty good, uh, the catacombs were Super impressive. The the opera house, not even just like the the scary uh, makeup design, and I don't know. It was it was pretty cool. It, it does have um, kidnapping, terror, violence, uh, torture chambers, lynch mob, the works for gothic horror, and there was just so much kind of like inspiration to movies. I actually probably would prefer to watch like from Frankenstein to interview the vampire. And it's cool to kind of see that movie first. Um, the whole last hour is pretty incredible, but yeah, it is a, you know, has a slow burn to it and it being a silent film. And honestly, I thought the music was going to be a little bit cooler. And, but yeah, I don't know. That's a, uh, it was excited. I was excited to watch this movie. I didn't get to watch uh, the other one that I was gonna use for my number two. But you guys seen this one? I actually have. Um, yeah, it's it's a good like. Part of my, my issue with The Phantom is the fact that, like, my family was so into the musical when I was growing up that, you know, it's it's almost become synonymous with the whole idea. Kind of like Les Mis, you know, like, the, the story's been out there for hundreds of years before, but it's so tied to my memories of growing up with it that it, it's hard to separate. But, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a good version. Um, it's... Again, it, it hits the gothic heights rather than, like, the gore that, like, the Robert Englund version in the 80s did. Um, like, the fact that he manipulated his face to keep it like that while he was filming is, like, just one of the examples of why Lon Chaney was one of the best, like, not just actors, but physical actors uh, back in that early period of Hollywood. I, I haven't seen it. I, I've never actually seen any uh, take of Phantom of the Opera. Not even Robert England, which I know seems weird, but I just never have. Have you seen the? You've you've seen all of them. Uh, the of only them? one Chris? that I own is the the uh, musical version, the one with Gerard. But uh, I've seen this one. I've seen Robert England. Um, I've seen that one. I'm. <laughs> How is the Robert England to be, one? To be honest, I feel like I've tried watching it as a kid. Not very good. At least I don't remember it being very. It, it was. It was like one of those eighty movies that relied on just the horror and the gore, you know, rather than, you know, like this is it's a, it's a tragic story which you know factors into the the gothic, you know, nature of the original story. And that one was not very tragic. Um, it just it just tried to like make it an actual horror movie. Yeah, basically like the eighties. Basically, right? the, the or, makeup or early nineties. Yeah. yeah. So you have the Joel Schumacher one. If I remember then. correctly. 
Yeah, I remember the cover. I remember I was like looking up the different Phantom of the Operas, and I was like, Robert Englund. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that cover, but I was always like, I don't want to watch a musical, especially when I watch a horror movie. So, but now I want to kind of check them all out. But so you have the Joel Schumacher uh, one. The, Is that have, the one with yeah, Butler? the Joel Schumacher one. I mean, it's 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 not even really a horror because it's yeah. it's a musical. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't probably really label it as horror adjacent even. Really? Uh, I mean, I uh, maybe if I don't know, you were younger, or I don't find it scary. <laughs> so, take take make of that what you will. It's all Andrew exactly. Lloyd Webbered up. Okay. So. okay. So, my number one, um, The Beguiled, 2017, directed by Sofia Coppola and also written for the screen by her. It's it's a remake. I don't know if it, it might be based on a, a story, but there was a movie in the 70s starring Clint Eastwood uh, that I have not seen. So, uh, And this is considered Southern Gothic horror. Though it would probably be more accurately psychological thriller, uh, it has a grim fairy tale feel. Except Prince Charming is a runaway injured soldier, uh, a Yank in Virginia during the Civil War, uh, and is found by a girl that lives at this all-girl boarding school that is currently deserted because of the Civil War, the men and the slaves. Uh, with a great cast with Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Stewart, Ellie Fanning, and Colin Farrell as the soldier. Kirsten This movie has... Not Stewart. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, I actually wrote that down, too. It is Kirsten Dunst. Thank you. Um, and... Yeah, it has the slow burn, sexual tension, jealousy... Revenge, uh, beautifully shot on 35mm. Uh, I love Sofia Coppola. She's one of my favorite directors of all time. And this is probably like on my top three of her movies. So maybe even the second. But yeah. Uh, do you guys know this one? Or you just know that I'm wrong? I, I, re- I remember... <laughs> seeing the trailer for it and reading reviews of it, but I never actually saw it when it came out. Yeah, I've never seen it. Currently on Netflix, it is pretty cool. It It is slow burn. You gotta wait to the ending, and that's kind of where it has that, like, flair of gothic horror. But it's a really good thriller on its own. But yeah. This is my top top five uh, notable gothic slash fairy tale horror. Sweet. All right, Kent, you ready for me to go? Oh yeah, yeah. All right, so try not to take up too many of my my picks, Chris. Try. Uh, I'm going to throw out a couple like really popular ones that I'm going to kind of. Gim over because I want to hit some less well-known ones, but 
I think probably the best example we have, well, I say these three pretty much tie for, I would say, the best example of gothic horror, but I love uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, in my opinion, it's probably still the premier version of the story. Um, I love Tim Burton's version of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, that's probably going a little heavier on the humor than the straight horror, but I still think it's a great version. And I love Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, I think those, like when, when we said gothic horror, those are the first three that popped into my head, just like that. Uh, but due to their popularity, they've all been talked, like some of them we've talked over and over ad nauseum over the years. Uh, so I'm not going to go too far in depth on them. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure both of you have seen them, correct? I haven't seen Pants Labyrinth. Me neither. <laughs> I own are it. You, are you never seen you kidding me? You're shitting me. But you no? no. I haven't really gotten into a lot of Guillermo del Toro until recently, and it's one that is not on the streamers. Uh, and I hear nothing but good things. And you kind of sold me on it, Chris, putting it in the same breath of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I didn't put on the list probably just feeling that the, those reasons that you just said. And um, what was the other one? Uh, Sleepy Hollow. And Sleepy like, Hollow. Yeah, that was the like other one too. But it- they're, they're all gothic. They're all slightly different versions. Of, I mean, you know, like Pan's Labyrinth, for example, takes place during World War II in, you know, uh, fascist Italy. But like they, they all do a great example of, of showing how broadly the genre can be defined. I just watched Sleepy Hollow yesterday, and what I learned from watching it for, like, the second or third time was that I I felt like Tim Burton basically was like, Christopher Walken, you're you're my next Batman, and we're going to mimic a lot of the music to sound like fucking Batman, and we're going to add a little comedy here and there, and we're going to have a movie. And I can't say that was the wrong choice, but I never picked up on, on the closeness of the music between that and fucking Batman until yesterday. Just throwing that well, out. Well, it was Danny Elfman, Elfman. Yeah, I, I, I like get it, but you know what? You don't have to make a fucking Batman Part 3. Just saying. If you're the great Danny fucking Elfman, pick your shit up. Come on. Make some fucking music that sounds like the period. You know, the one thing I want to bring up about Sleepy Hollow is the fact that it's a good movie and Casper Van Dien is <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely, he doesn't. He doesn't drag it down. Uh, he he's. I'm like. Well, now I can add two movies that I know Casper Van Dien from that I like, and I don't know if there's a third movie out there, but maybe, maybe. So Starship Troopers is the other one. Yes, I, right. I feel that that goes without saying, but yes, yes. Yeah. I just wanted to. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, well, I want to make sure that there wasn't a third movie out there that's actually pretty good. I, I don't remember I watched, that he was in this, and that is. And this movie is really good. I saw it in the theater. I wasn't impressed with it. I saw it a couple other times. Well, I saw it during, like, you know, probably for the fourth time during Halloween time. And, and I actually had an appreciation for it that I never had before. Probably because of all the blood. And it just didn't stop. And and it was just, and it, it was almost to the point where it just kept, actually got funny. 
So I I was expecting something along the lines of like Disney's, you know, thirty minute animated short and I really enjoyed what we got. Yeah, you know, uh like people forget I think this role in, in Johnny Depp's and the cast is great. Um Jeffrey Jones. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean Hey, it was okay to like him back then. I guess, is it is it going to be okay to like Kevin Spacey going forward? I don't know how that's <laughs> working out. I, is Jeffrey I, I Jones on the yeah. Love Seven and Usual Suspects, man? Yeah, wait, is Jeffrey Jones canceled? Oh, he, well, it would be less canceled and more like actually arraigned, well, not arrested for <laughs> really uh, convicted. Convicted. I mean, that was one of the reasons why the Deadwood show ended. Oh, really? Yeah, that was that was back in then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was convicted of uh yeah, underage sexual assault kind of stuff. Oh. Yeah. Man. Anyways, uh yeah. I mean I can enjoy the movie while you know uh not enjoying the actors uh real life shenanigans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Uh, so yeah, so there's that one. Uh, like again, Bram Stoker's another great cast. I mean, Keanu is probably the weakest part of it, but Gary Oldman fucking rocks the shit out of it. I mean, that was the first thing I remember ever seeing Gary Oldman in and Jesus, you know, what a performance. I I don't like that movie. What? And just like that, I don't give a fuck, man. Like, I just I think that movie is preposterously silly. Like, I I just I don't I want to like it. I want to like it. I mean, it came out in '92. If anybody here is going to make an effort to like a movie from '92, it's going to be me. I think that's a fair thing to say. I even bought the Super NES game for twenty dollars from Ames. Okay, there's a lot of things I really tried to like about this, and I like you know like. Other renditions of Dracula, I just, I, I don't like this damn movie. It's I, I watched it again, I guess probably around like October time, and I was blown away by like the production design, all of it. I also like Keanu Reeves in it. I think he, it's just like at the time when I saw it, it was like Point Break, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Parenthood. This is all I knew from him. And all of those things were awesome. And then he was playing not that kind of character, but it was a horror film. And then, you know, my dad wouldn't let me watch it when the vampire chicks were having an orgy with him. And, you know, so I only got to see the movie in parts. He'd let me watch a little more of it. And then it'd be like a werewolf raping a woman. And he's like, ah, we got to, <laughs> I might have to check this out first. So I uh, I didn't realize that was Monica Bellucci who was one of the brides either back yeah. in the day. So I had so much fun with it, but I, I it's not. I guess if you were like thinking it was going to be like his Godfather esque, but I, it is. It, I mean that those production, just just everything about that movie is is great. It's, you know, the acting is just actors of that time. But yeah, that's that was one of the movies that, and then. Professional and then True Romance uh, in '93. So in that time, I saw those three movies about Gary Oldman, and I was like, you know, just like those, just completely wildly different characters. And 
especially True Romance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I, I saw True Romance later on. You you showed it to me. And Gary Oldman's part is in that is one of my favorites. You get cast for that. Like, <laughs> like, I've never seen like I still I still think about that scene, you know. I will say this. Tom Waits in the movie as Renfield. I, I I love me some Tom Waits music and I like him as an actor in, in small doses, which I don't know if he's ever really starred in much. He, like as a, he's a great side character, though. Really, he really. The, he played the devil in, um, what was it, the, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? Yeah, the last one that. Um, oh, he's uh, Ledger, his name the Terry Gilliam film? Where Johnny Depp and Jude yeah, Law yeah. and Colin Farrell. Yeah. Colin Farrell finished it for him. Yeah, he was also in Seven Psychopaths with Colin and Walken and others. God, we're doing like six degrees of, of separation with all the actors tonight, you know, between... Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like that one, too. And Pan's Labyrinth, I would highly, highly recommend both of you guys to um, to watch it if you get a chance. It's, I think um, you convinced me to buy it. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's a very, very um, striking movie, too. Uh the, the 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 yeah, it's. I don't, I've, just, I've seen just watch the one it. Just, scene just fucking with the white monster, like which I like. man, I yeah. really enjoyed it, and I own it. Just haven't seen it. Okay, so those were the ones that I'm not really going to go into. Are are these not your top five? No, those were not my top five. Chris, you're ruining they, that list. They would have been my top five, but you know, I I wanted to kind of skip them. Um, so. I'm going to bring up a few um, that kind of I saw on lists, but I don't really feel fit. Like, although after Kevin's list, I might have. But um, uh, so I saw somebody list Repo the Genetic Opera. Uh, If we haven't spoiled it for you guys yet, we are going to be doing musicals in December, and this is definitely going to be on my list for that. Uh, I can understand some of the choices over how it's filmed, but I don't really feel it really hits Gothic as a, a genre. Uh, but anytime I get to talk about this movie, I love the soundtrack. I love the movie. I love the actors. Uh, I'll bring it up. Uh, two that I think actually probably work on a more modern take of Gothic. Wait, Chris, uh, Yes. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stop you here for a moment. Good. Is there any chance you're listing anything that I'm going to do? Because we kind of agreed to just do honorable mentions afterward. Uh. Okay. Sure. I mean, just toss it out there in case you're throwing out anything main big hitters. If you're not throwing out any big hitters, by all means, go crazy. Uh, I don't. I don't think these two are big hitters. Okay. Uh, you know, okay. in. In all of the years that we've been doing this, I don't think we brought up either one of these. Okay. Uh, but uh, I think they both hit on a more modern gothic feel. Um, but one of them would be The Eyes of My Mother. And the other would be The Skeleton Key. Eyes of My Mother was done in 2016. Um, and it was one of those ones that, like, initially... You, it's more along the lines of the um, 
the slow burn, the build of dread, but uh, I definitely think this one maybe slightly crosses the lines because it does get into some uh, body horror. Uh, but I think it's a pretty decent movie. And Skeleton Key, I think, is one of those ones that works more along the lines of uh, hitting the Southern Gothic, like Kevin brought up. Um, and I think it does a... I don't know if it ever really gets scary, but it does a good job with the suspension and the tension. And uh, it's got one of what I would consider hallmarks of the genre in that it's kind of got, like, the trick ending going for it. Uh, so... So that that was would be kind of my um, honorable mentions, or you know, too popular to kind of talk about. So now for my list, Kent. Uh, so number five is on the, it, more of the fairy tale end, but um, no. have you guys ever seen a movie called The Hallow from 2015, Irish film? It was on Netflix at one point, right? I believe so. I think I may have watched it at one point, but I don't really remember a damn thing. All right, so the the premise is um, the family moves into like a remote Irish village where the husband is um, working for like a uh, a logging company, um, and he's basically surveying the uh, the woods, you know, the trees for where they need to. Uh, uh, you know, which ones to take and which ones to avoid for, in order to um, uh, avoid, you know, like deforesting, deforestation. And, um, you know, all of the uh, the locals are standoffish and clannish. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to talk to him. You know, they're like uh, against the forestation. But they, like the house they move into has like iron bars over all the windows and the doors and uh, anyways, long story short, it gets into like literal, uh, like fairies, changelings, that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's worth watching. I think, um, the, uh, uh, gets into why, um, like, uh, the line, hallowed be thy name is actually within the, uh, the, our father, um, and uh, it's I like the the twist. Um, the creature effects were actually pretty well done too. Uh, it's also got um, the guy who played um, uh, Roos Bolton from um, Game of Thrones in it, and uh, one of the guys I've seen in um, like some of the Black Mirror episodes. Uh, yeah, it kind of, um, I don't think it was a big hit, but, like, I know that, um, it was one of the highest grossing Irish exports that they've had in the last couple of years. Which, which, what year did this come out? 2015? 2015, yeah. Okay. Who's, what's Bruce Bolton's real name? Uh, Michael McElhatton? Probably. Okay. Probably butchered the pronunciation. That's all right. Well, was it because there's like a 2015 and a 2016 one? So uh, I've been trying to figure out which one we were going with because 
there's a 2015 one that's a TV movie. And... Yeah, I don't know. I may have actually seen both of these the more I'm like looking at pictures, so... Good stuff, actually. Alright. Uh, Kevin, you said you haven't seen this either? No, and I also couldn't find it on, on there. I saw the 2016 one with William Sadler, and then the... Is it is it directed by Sheldon Wilson? Uh, this one is directed by not Corin Hardy. Oh, okay, yeah. It's it's spelled H A L L O W. Yeah, oh, I was right. looking up H O L L. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so moving on, I will go to my number four which was a werewolf movie that came out in 2021, and it's called The Cursed. Did you guys see this? Boyd Holbrook, Kelly Riley. You said The Cursed? Yeah. Vampire? Or, I mean, werewolf? Yes. Bought it, went to watch it, got sidetracked. Really pissed off because that looked good, so I'm happy it's on your list. Yeah, it... It, okay, go ahead, go. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I was, um, yeah, it looked, it looked good. It was on the during the research phase of of lists, and uh, yeah, it looked, it looked good. I should look it up now. It the, was the, on Hulu, but I think they took it off of Hulu. The creature is really weird. It wasn't like your typical werewolf, um, but like the the atmosphere nails gothic for me it was um it was like almost one of those movies that's like dripping with the you know the um the atmosphere and yeah. um i think i find it funny that I, i'm watching uh the justified remake with boyd holbrook as the bad guy after watching <laughs> this with boyd holbrook as the good guy <laughs> I just got. I love the the poster for for this. I think that caught my attention long before anything else. But if I'm not mistaken, it had decent reviews. Yeah, um, I I don't think it did well in the box office. But like everybody I know who saw it liked it. That makes sense. Yeah, this is a definite. This is kind of an October movie for me uh, for this year. So uh, I'm. I'm happy that there's somebody that likes it, so gives me hope. Awesome. Um, yeah, it is on Hulu and and uh, 2021, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's showing that. up as on Hulu. And I, I remember like looking up. I thought that they took it off, but maybe they took it off a different streaming and put it on Hulu. Uh, either way, it was on. Like I saw it, it was on something. I was like. Oh, it's leaving this, and then I went to Voodoo, and it was like, "Oh, it's on sale for five dollars. I'm just going to snag it now while it's five bucks." So, all right. Um, so my number three is a a more modern gothic take, but it's got the isolation. It's got the um, the slow burn. It's I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a horror movie, but um. It's a movie called Byzantium from 2012. Uh, It was directed by Neil Jordan. Um, It stars Saoirse Ronan and Gemma Arterton. 
uh, basically, they are like 200-ish-year-old uh, mother-daughter vampires who move from town to town based upon, um, you know, when they get discovered for, you know, one of the, the killings that they do. Um, and again, it's, it's the, the atmosphere that really nails it. Like even the, they can go out in the sun and even, you know, the, the times when they're out during the day, the, uh, the sun, you know, the sunlight is like, um, you know, that muted, uh, shade that they do in, uh, movies where they're trying to, uh, put that filter on the, the shots. Um, I, don't, I really enjoyed it and I had never heard about it before I watched it. That was back when I was going on my, like, um, uh, like maybe say like pirating binge for a while there. Uh, it also has got a, uh, like Johnny Lee Miller. It's got the kid who, one of the kids from the X-Men re reboots, the, um, the first class, uh, grouping. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's actually got a couple of twists in it that I don't want to spoil that, uh, actually work really well. So, um, Ah, this is another one I would recommend seeing if you guys get a chance to watch. I have actually, if you haven't, seen I actually it have seen this before. Um, it's been it's been a while. I saw it probably so it's 2012. So I saw it probably like 2000, probably around like 2013, 2014 uh, on the Showtime Women uh, channel. Uh, yeah, interesting. I was like, why are you watching? My girlfriend at the time was like, why are you watching the Showtime Women? I was like, it's a Neil Jordan vampire movie. I like the, you know, so I'm in. Uh, so yeah, uh, I remember, I remember liking it. Uh, I'm looking through the cast. I'm like, is Stephen Ray in it? Because he's usually a staple, and he's not in this. Yeah, I found it. I found it fun. I didn't realize, you know, when I watched it, I didn't realize it was a Neil Jordan movie initially. But after after seeing it, I could, yeah, definitely recognize uh, his isms within it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a, I am a fan of Neil Jordan's. Uh, not a giant fan, but I am a fan. So, what about you, Kent? I'm excited. I've seen one of these. No. I, I I haven't. I mean, let's face it. I haven't seen at best. I've seen the Hollow out of everybody's list so far. So I'm in my typical position of being ignorant of everybody else's selections. Feeling good. Well, okay. <laughs> hey, I'm happy because it always gives me something to watch. Like that was not a complaint. That was me actually being like. Good. I write these things down. I take notes, and then I watch stuff. So it's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So, so moving on then. Um, this one, I would imagine you both have probably have seen, but I think uh, again, it really hits the um, the atmosphere more than anything. Uh, the Woman in Black from twenty again twenty twelve, um, starring Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, 
it was nowhere near anywhere as scary as people talk it up to be, or um, as the advertising would make you believe. But it absolutely nailed, you know, the isolation, the weather, as Kevin brought up earlier, um, the the period, uh, and part of it is it has one of my favorite tropes for gothic horror and that it's got uh, a shitty ending or at least an ending that's not happy and doesn't resolve well um yeah one of the things i like i remember for a while there was a period of time where like every ghost movie that was coming out was find out why the person is is haunting and uh fix whatever their issue was to lay it to rest and Daniel Radcliffe attempts to do that within this movie, and uh, long story short, it doesn't happen, well, it doesn't work, and he and his child both die at the end of the movie, and uh, that stuck with me over a movie that probably wouldn't have if it had ended on a positive note. Well, that sounds pretty cool. For a PG-13 movie, that's pretty dark. Yeah question because this has come up before a lot of people in the uk have a huge hard on for the original which was a tv movie i think it was 89 if i'm not mistaken have either of you seen that one no i haven't i did see the sequel to this one and that that movie was shit so don't bother watching the second one i mean i really only watch radcliffe when he's in uh Ah, shit, the Miracle Workers. I really like him in that. I like the, um... I, I, he's done a, a couple bad guy turns lately. He did it in, what, Now You See Me Too, and uh, what was the one with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum? Yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, Lost, yeah. the Lost City? Yeah. I also really liked him in Guns Akimbo. I haven't seen uh, it. Which I don't think a lot of people saw, but... Yeah, this was one of the first things I think he did after Harry Potter was over, and you know, I was impressed that he was able to actually convey a widower and a, a father, you know, for his relatively young age. I'll, I'll ask you this fun question. Who turned out better, Radcliffe in this movie or Elijah Wood in Maniac? Uh, it's It's night and day. I mean, one is a gothic horror where the dude is a protagonist, a doomed protagonist, and the other is kind of like a first-person slasher where the guy is the bad guy. I mean, they... For for two twinsies, you know, I think they've both had an interesting career trajectory. Yeah, I, I think they're actually a pretty fun, like, comparison in some odd, weird way, I, I think. Um... Both turned out far more enjoyable than I thought they would. Yeah. Yeah, well, Daniel Radcliffe, I saw him in probably around this time, uh, Kill Your Darlings, where he plays Allen Ginsberg. Uh, And that was, that was definitely different. It was, you know, like he's definitely going away from, Harry Potter, and I see him as doing absolutely anything that is not Harry Potter. Um, like much like Robert Pattinson, who is kind of going for the far. I, I'm, I'm no longer Edward. Edward yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm no longer Edward. Yeah, so I'm no longer Harry Potter and um, Elijah Wood. He's Frodo, right? That's no longer. Right. <laughs> can can we all agree that Daniel Radcliffe's greatest performer was as Weird Al Yankovic? That yes. was actually that a was really a, good movie. Yeah, that movie I, was I, I fucking good. loved it. <laughs> yeah, and I really like Swiss Army Man by. Oh uh, yeah, I really like I really like that too. That was that movie on the other su- spectrum. Yeah, that movie set me up to as soon as you know everything everywhere all at once was announced. I was like, I love Swiss Army Man so much that I'm gonna just watch, and that vindicated my choice. All right, um, so my number one. Uh, this is probably the goriest one on my list, but um, uh, Black Death from 2010. With Eddie Redmayne, Sean Bean, Chris Van Hooten, um, David Warner, uh, a lot of other smaller named like British actors, Scottish actors that you'd recognize as soon as you saw them. Um, have either of you guys seen this one? No, but I I wanted to for a long time. I didn't realize Chris Van Hooten is in it, and I think she is awesome. She's in Paul Verhoeven's The Black Book. And then also, of course, the the woman in red in uh, Game of Thrones. Alumni with Sean Bean. She was in another one with, um, uh, fuck, what was his name? Uh, Clive Owen, Intruders, too. I don't know if you ever saw that. No, no. Yeah, Intruders, that was good. So this is a tale set in the Middle Ages during the uh, Black Plague, and um, yeah, it's another. It's it's very nihilistic. Like <laughs> nobody gets a happy ending in this fucking movie, uh, which I kind of like. the um, The gore might be uh, significantly more than I would typically recommend within a uh, a gothic horror. But uh, the performances are strong. It was, yeah, and especially for the budget that it was done in, uh, I, you can you can tell they they got their money's worth. Um, yeah, this is another one I would recommend seeing if you've never seen it. Uh, I would definitely say, don't um, have people who are squeamish watch it though. Yeah. Oh, you sold me on this, and I've wanted to see it anyways. But now it, you, it sounds like it's everything I kind of hoped it was would be. Yeah, it gets in, gets into like religion, uh, witchcraft, um, conspiracies. Yeah, and not the the good part of religion, but you know the dark part of religion from the Middle Ages. Uh, and uh, I'm, I won't try to spoil it for you, but it, it definitely lives up to the typical Sean Bean memes. So, yeah. awesome. I, I think I rented this from. There was like a period of my life for like probably like a year or two where I rented from uh, Redbox a ton. Uh, back when that was like a fun new thing, and this was one of them that I, I rented, and I, I don't remember, but. A whole lot. I just I do remember Sean being living up to uh, expectations. We'll say. 
All right, uh, so that's my list. I got one more I will talk about after Kent finishes his that I watched today, and I don't know if I would have made it my list, but it was interesting enough to discuss it. So, Kent, fire away, bud. Okay. Um, so, I I, ha- I have, like, you know, my honorable mentions list, which we'll get to later, which I'm just going to drop a hint. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is on there, because somehow that made it onto a list, which shocked me. Uh, more nice. on that later. <laughs> All right. Number five, in a movie that I... So, Suspiria. I'm talking about the original one, because yesterday I watched the 2018 one, and today I watched the original... Um, I've seen the original numerous times. I'd never seen the remake, and I was always off-put by the two hours, two and a half hour runtime. And uh, here's the verdict. If you could somehow take the artistic merit, the lighting and colors and music from the first one, combine it with the overall story of the second one while cutting back there was like this weird like side storyline that i'm sure people that are like knee deep into nerddom of like evaluating every last aspect of a movie may be into it but like there was some shit like with hostage situations had you could have easily eliminated it and made that a two-hour movie it would have been like perfect but they shot their load too much they got tried getting too fucking artsy and probably like by like the hour and 45 minute mark you suddenly kind of find yourself like oh, I've invested an hour and 45 minutes of my life into this I'm not going to stop now but I kind of want to um, it ended okay though but we're here to talk about the original how is it gothic horror I don't know old building witchcraft uh, whatever I don't know to me, it doesn't even fit gothic horror, but, you know, it was on some lists, so I'm going to include it, because I really just like the music. Um, the acting's not nearly as great. Uh, the acting's really good in the remake, too. I, I gotta say that fucking... It, my mind was blown this morning. I'm, I was looking up again, like, reading. Until the Swinton played three characters in the remake, including a male character, and I had no idea it was her. I thought it was a dude the whole time. So, bravo to her for killing it, but the the reboot had uh, Mia Goth, too, like, one of her early roles, and she's awesome. Um, the first movie didn't have, like, a lot of, uh, I don't know, everyday names. It was an Argento flick. Uh, there's there's some stuff that, like, the blood, I don't... Hey, have you guys seen Suspiria before I give away too much here? Uh, yeah, we did a podcast on it. Last year. I remembered that, kind of. Kevin? I have not, and, and I have not seen either, and I want to. I've only... Dario Argento is someone that I have not really watched any of his movies. I saw one. I can't even think of what it is right now, but I don't know how how well I was paying attention to it. Well... So you know how like shitty the blood looked in um, Dawn of the Dead, the first one. Like the blood looks equally shitty in Suspiria. Like it, I know it was like kind of the artistic style of choice, but it looks like shit. 
Um, but you know, like the lighting and stuff makes up for it. it it's it's a lot of fun. There's some really quirky things towards the end of it. Um, I don't know, Kevin. It's on Tubi, so it is free on Tubi. Uh, it's one of those movies that you can't buy digitally. Like I feel like that and American Werewolf in London are two of the top movies I want to own but can't find to own digitally, which sucks. Um, one other thought. If for some reason either of you put, put yourself through watching the reboot of Suspiria, after the Olga scene, you'll be tempted to want to continue. Just know that that scene at like 25, 30 minutes in is the high point and one of the greatest horror scenes of all time. Yes, I'm putting my name on that. One of the greatest horror scenes of all time. And Chris, I know you'll like it. Because you I like Malignant. I haven't, um, I haven't seen the remake. So yeah. Uh, everybody who I know who's seen it says it was good. Yeah. You had me at too artsy for its own good. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I just think they could have... Like, both like really, you, if you carve out four hours of your day to watch both of these, I don't think you'll be mad because they both tell the same story but very differently. Um, so, uh, and then the reboot is on Amazon Prime. I think it's just going to be stuck on there because I think it was produced by Amazon. Yeah, so I think I think that's got a permanent spot. I think it's a fixture. And it's yeah. the guy who did uh, "Call Me by Your Name." And most recently, Bones and All, which I have not seen. But cool. shit, isn't isn't he doing the new Exorcist one that's coming out? No, isn't that Gordon Green? He's doing uh, something though. Yes, yes, you're right. Also, in the reboot, Chloe Grace Moretz on IMDb gets like this top billing, so I'm thinking that she's going to have a big role. But anybody that knows the original knows that Patricia, a.k.a. Patricia Hinkle, a.k.a. Pat Hinkle, who reminds me of Pat Hingle, I think is his name, from Maximum Overdrive. So I just want to throw out Maximum Overdrive, quite frankly. Um, She doesn't have a very big role. Dakota Johnson's the main star of this, but uh, Mia Goth is really, really, really fucking good in this, too. Um, lots of, lots of nudity in the reboot. Just for anybody that cares about that thing. Uh, both male and female, though, so fun for the whole family, I guess. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to go with number four. And I was kind of, I kind of thought you would have this on your list, Chris, and you didn't. Uh, The Changeling. From... I don't know, 1979, maybe? I feel like. That's one with George C. Scott, isn't it? Y- yeah. I I feel like, I mean, no, it's not the it's not as good of an opening scene as Scream. But, I don't know, you'd be hard-pressed to find me ten better opening horror scenes than the opening scene in Changeling, where it's snowing out, their car gets stuck, and he goes to a telephone booth to call for a tow truck, and then he just watches as, like, there's snow on the road, and basically one car, a car's coming one way, and a big-ass truck's coming the other way, and the big-ass truck plows the car into his wife and daughter. It's 
a great opening scene. So, and George C. Scott, I, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of, like, just watching him do his thing. So, uh, always a treat. I don't know if it's scary, though. Some people claim it's scary, and I don't know. It, for those of you that have seen it, do you consider it scary at all? At this point, it's hard to, to talk about scary stuff from, from stuff that was filmed back then. Um, I, mean, I find, like, it's, it's I don't know. Uh, a lot of the, the movies that were filmed in the, the 80s, I feel, have a particular look to them that doesn't necessarily even lend themselves to being scary. Uh, I did like the change in a lot, though. Um, but yeah, I didn't even think about it to put it on my list. There were a couple that I was just thinking about after my list finished that I was like, oh, I can't believe I forgot them. But uh, yeah, this this one didn't make my list. But I uh, I do like the movie. Kevin, you've seen it or no? Uh, yeah, actually, I saw it. Uh, this was on my uh, uh, five five that I've never seen before. So I've seen this recently. Uh, yeah, it's not that it's scary, but I get why people would say it's scary because when I was watching it and like the way that it was shot, especially on and especially like the chandelier, and maybe that kind of like contributed to the atmosphere of it. Uh, it it wasn't terrifying, but it had like kind of a creepy feel to it, especially the way that the the cinematography of it. So. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's one, it's considered a horror. It's got the whole supernatural thing. So I guess that's probably the haunted is a mansion, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big ass mansion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I forgot about that opening scene too, but yeah, it is. Cause I was like, what was the opening scene? And it's like, oh yeah, his whole family. Like right in front of him. Like that's a pretty hardcore badass opening scene. Uh, yeah. Burden male p- protagonist, George C. Scott, you know, hits it on the it, head. It really, I think my, f- like, aside from the opening, I don't know why, but, like, the faucets turning on, like, by themselves, probably, like, 30 minutes in or whenever, I really like that. I know everybody kind of goes back to, like, the ball rolling down the stairs, and I get it, but, I don't know, something about the faucets, I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed that more than that, like, the ball or the wheelchair stuff, but all in all, I'm sure, like, back in 1980 when this came out, this was at the very least chilling, if not scary. It just, you know, 40-some years later, it just doesn't have that scary factor. But it definitely still has that alone, haunted feeling, which apparently is part of the gothic thing. So that's why it's on my list. Uh, number three... I, I kind of had a toss-up between two and three, but uh, I'm going to go with another Guillermo del Toro movie, since we brought him up earlier, and going with The Orphanage. Because that movie, once again, I don't think is scary. I, I've watched it four or five times at least now. I, I just watched it again earlier today. And I know like some people find the one scene when the mom's playing the game towards the very end to be a little scary, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, 
I, I guess I should ask before I delve into this. Have you guys both seen the the orphanage? Uh, no, uh, I have not. No. Uh, did he produce it or something? The Guillermo uh, del Toro, the orphanage. He. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. I think he he produced. He had something okay. to do with it. Yeah, they probably threw his executive name over producer. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. They were going to do an American reboot. And my man Larry Fessenden wrote the script, and then it never happened. So that bumps me out. But uh, th- this does check a lot of the Guillermo del Toro check marks. Uh, and I won't give away the game, although like it, the way they did it was good. It's just I, I, I don't know. I've seen it on a lot of lists. I watch a lot of stupid shit on YouTube, and so it shows up on a lot of lists. And uh, I don't even think, like, the first time I saw it, would I, I have even thought, like, ooh, that's chilling in any way. But the story is really good. And I don't want to say it's a happy ending, but I think it kind of is a happy ending in its own weird way. Um, not happy for everybody, probably not happy for most people, but for me, I found it to be a happy, happier ending compared to most of the shit that we talk about. Let's go with that route. Um, it's it's on it's not anywhere to be streaming so I wish I could tell you to go watch it someplace but apparently you can't uh, I don't know I bought it on Vudu uh, you can rent it on streaming but yeah there's not a subscription yeah. spot yeah the the mom is really good uh, I don't know how you pronounce her first name Belin maybe or I don't think it's Bellin, so I'm going with Beline Ruda. She was really freaking good in this. Uh, I mean, she basically carried the whole damn movie, quite frankly. Um, and there is... This is something I wanted to touch on, but I can touch on the next one because it'll go harken back to something else I wanted to talk about. Um, but, once again, this is another kind of haunted-type movie. Most of my movies... I just kind of liked going with Haunted, so I could have really just made my list of one thing about witches and the rest are about hauntings. Because, uh, once again, I still don't know what the hell gothic horror is anymore. So, uh, I kind of just went down this whole haunted rabbit hole, and I'm happy with it, because I like all the movies I saw. Uh, but yeah, highly, highly, highly recommend it. If uh, As long as you don't mind... Uh, Subtitles, which I don't think any of us mind at this point. And I was thinking about this earlier. In your opinions, does a jump scare work better in a subtitled film or does it work worse? Because you're so focused on the bottom part of the screen. Worse, definitely. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if I saw anything with jump scares in like a recent kind of film. With with subtitles, so I don't I don't know I can't think of I can't think of anything of an example. So, I I I think it does work worse, but every once in a while you're so focused on just looking at that little you know like one twentieth of your screen that you're focused on, and then something jumps up. Sometimes it can really work beneficially, but by and large, it doesn't work so well. Uh, so, 
All right. My number two, which is a movie incredibly similar, and the movie I watched just before we started this podcast, was uh, The Others with Nicole Kidman, 2001. Um, it's... I don't know. Nicole Kidman made one of your list for something, I think. At one Number point one, or another. the beguiled headmistress. Yeah. Yeah. She she could have probably gotten a, an award for her performance in, in the others. Um, it's one of those movies that has a twist, but the story and twist is so well done that you don't get sick of it. Like... Uh, as we talked about, I think, a podcast or two ago, watching The Sixth Sense now, it's just, eh, whatever. But, you know, you can go back and watch something that has a good twist, but the story was so well done that you still don't mind going back and rewatching the movie because it's just a great movie. The Usual Suspects comes to mind, for example. Um, I'm guessing both of you have seen the others. Yes. Maybe not. I was going to guess that this was going to be your number one. <laughs> no, you, nobody's going to guess my number one. That's okay, though. Oh, is this your number two? Yeah. <laughs> well, I knew this was going to make your list. I, yeah, I've, I've loved this movie ever since I first saw it. I, really adore, I adore the little girl that played Anne. She is so good in it. And something I wanted to bring up was the scene where they have the, they have the psychics. There's also the same... It's basically a copy, in some ways, of the scene in The Changeling, because they have the psychic with the eyes all glossed over, and she has this big notepad, she's writing down words or whatever at a frantic pace. And I don't know... uh, I don't know any other movies. There has to be other movies. I don't watch a ton of things with that type of uh, psychic or whatever, but... It was like kind of uncanny how similar those two scenes were uh, be- between the two movies. So I-, I had a lot of fun with this. And I would say the one thing I wish they would have done a little differently, I, I kind of wish they would have had a different person for uh, Nicole Kidman's husband. That that'd be the only thing I would have changed. I didn't really... He wasn't bad in his role. It wasn't even a huge role. It just... I felt like there should have been something more, um, but that's okay. And this this is a type of movie that kind of harkens back to like old school Twilight Zone stuff. Um, so for me, I felt very much at home, uh, and yeah, you know, I like I like comfort. This, this this is like comfort food for horror movies for me, as far as I'm concerned, and. My number one, Kevin probably knows what my number one is, because I definitely said to him at some point or another, somehow I'm going to find a way to put this on the list. (laughs) Uh, It is. Scooby-Doo? No, no. It's uh, Session 9. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if we're going to say, if we're going to go back and look at the attributes of a gothic horror, there's a lot of things going on between the architecture people being alone, hauntings. There's a lot of stuff going on here that kind of fit that description in an awkward way. Uh, I don't know if I'm right in remotely stating that this could be even gothic horror adjacent, 
but if I'm just abiding by what I read online and I'm checking off boxes, session nine checks off a ton of boxes. So I don't really get to say session nine is my number one movie for any of our podcasts. And, uh, I felt great watching it yesterday. I got great seeing, I got ha- happy seeing Larry Fessenden for like two to three minutes. I, I got super pumped when I got to see David Crusoe go, hey, fuck you, like to the point where I rewound it a couple times. Like, all of these things work for me, Session 9. Like, despite all of its flaws, and there are flaws, uh, it's still just a really, really uh, enjoyable, comfortable movie for me. And I I don't know. Pro- I'm guessing probably both of you would say it, it does not belong on this list. I, I don't know. But once again, if I'm just writing down, like, going down the rules of what supposedly makes a gothic horror, this really did check off a lot of the criteria. Uh, you can't get a better birded male protagonist than David Caruso. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, besides George C. Scott. <laughs> Georgie Scott, father, father and son. Uh, Close second. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say of the flaws of this movie that David no, Crusoe is actually he's a not shining one of them. beacon of hope in this movie. Like he's really good compared to damn near anything else he's ever been in. He's good at this. <laughs> actually, be his my favorite performance yeah. of his. Besides the the cop that gets stabbed in the ass and. Uh, <laughs> Yes. First blood. <laughs> uh yeah. This this movie just it really does make me happy. And yeah, I, I are we ever led to believe that uh the main dude whose name I can't even think of at the moment, uh not Caruso, uh, uh Is it Will Fenton? Gordon. Were we led to believe that Gordon spent any time in that asylum or was he just going crazy while the whole movie's also like Mike's doing all the research about the multiple personality stuff? Uh, I think it was, I always got the the, uh, impression that it was just like a possession rather than that. He was an actual inmate or uh, not inmate. You know what I mean? Patient back in the patient back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that sounds familiar. It, it was kind of, I don't know, I, I like how they painted it. Like, for, for such a, I mean, this, I don't know what the budget was, but it clearly was not a high-budget movie. And also, if you if and when you, what was that? 0. 0.5. I don't know. Uh, like, if you go back and watch it. Oh, okay. 2 million, sorry. If you go back and watch it, and then you think, like... Gordon said that they could clean that whole freaking thing in a week, and then they showed the outdoor shots of how huge and sprawling this building is. I don't think you could have 20 hardworking guys doing, like, 16 hours a day and clean out that whole building. That's a huge building. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, patently absurd that... But whatever. I mean, minor quip, but... Yes. So, that's my list. Good list. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it would have hit mine, but yeah. I, anytime people want to talk about Session 9, I'll always talk it up. 
it's just like one of those unheralded movies that that I think over time horror fans have heard about enough that a lot a lot of horror fans have gone and watched off of other recommendations from people. I think it's kind of like almost like a word of mouth type movie. Yeah, I worked at the video store when, and this was a movie that the manager at, at Video World in Johnstown, uh, one of the many I had in the two years I worked there, um, suggested this movie, and I didn't. I don't know. I did. I was. I eventually saw it down because everyone kept talking about it. I heard probably four or five times. My dad said it was really good. I think he burned me a copy of it way back in the day and sent it to me in St. Louis, and it was. Uh, yeah, it it is it is it lives up to all of that. Like it's actually scary, but it's like more creepy than scary. But there there wasn't a lot going on in the late late nineties, right? Yeah, the funny thing is, I first ran it from Video World in Gloversville. So, uh, yeah, got oh two thousand one is when it came out. So two thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, that's when I worked just, there. Yeah. And, and another thing that makes me laugh is as Gordon, you know, in the reveal that's Gordon that's going around killing people, like when he goes after his nephew who has the mullet, I'm sitting there thinking like how's how does the nephew know to look in the door of the vehicle for Oreos? And then secondly, when have you ever seen Oreos in a box? These are questions that will haunt me till my dying day. They're super important. Yes, I need. I need to rewatch this. Hopefully, it's on something this Halloween. Uh, it feels like one of those movies that should just be on, you know, Pluto TV or Tubi at all times for free with ads. But oh well. All right, we good to hit up some honorable mentions. Yeah, let's do this. Hit them up. Yeah. Who wants to go? Um, well, you did cross off the changeling. That was one of the five that I saw. I'm going to bring up first, uh, the hunger by Tony Scott. I think it was 81 or 82, um, that it came out and this came up, but I think it was for like Gothic as in Bauhaus, um, what you would think of like Marilyn Manson influences, uh, music of that time. Uh, so I think it comes up that way. It does have a weird feel to it. Have you guys seen? Uh, it had one of the sexiest scenes I had ever seen as a young child <laughs> in it. Anything. Catherine. Denimo, Susan, and, Sarandon, uh, yeah. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, and Tony Scott's one of my favorites, his first film. Uh, so I wanted to bring that one up. It was going to be my number two, but I ended up not not getting to check it out. Um, another one was uh, Red Riding Hood by Catherine Hardwick. And this was, I think, like her follow-up to Twilight. And it is terrible reviews. Gary Oldman's in it. He's pretty good in it, but... Uh, it was it was okay. I bought it for two dollars uh, at Goodwill, um, and the standard DVD quality is 
not very good. Quick question, Kevin. But it has great production. Do, do, yeah. All right. I, I, I watched the movie. I almost bought it again, but I decided against it. Uh, I'm guessing you've watched it probably more recently than I have. What I remember from this movie, though, is that it tried to do almost like too many different things for what it was. Like, instead of staying basic, yeah. it tried squeezing in too many things. Is that about right? Yeah, they really focused on the werewolf and aspect of it. Uh, and, you know, that is... But they made it more of like a werewolf movie than just a Red Riding Hood story. But maybe it's... That's maybe what... I don't know. the Some of the origins of the werewolf come from. So, of the original story. But, yeah, and... Amanda Seyfried's really good in it. it. I think it's better than the bad reviews. I rented it from the library probably around like 2012. This, this so. could almost be I the werewolf version of Sleepwalkers. Cause it, yeah, it was way better than the reviews would indicate, but the only thing I remember towards the end is that her father's the werewolf and he wants her to become like his werewolf bride. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I think because the whole Twilight thing, that it was much darker, but it still kind of had that romance vibe to it. Um, Plus Virginia Madsen. Yeah, no, really really great cast. Um, And Chris, have have we brought up Sleepwalkers every podcast this year so far? Uh, If we haven't, we've come close. I don't know how we're going to squeeze that into the musicals one, but I'm going to work on that. Well, uh, you know, we'll have to go and see what music was in the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the uh, – well, we'll stay on Werewolves, The Company of Wolves by Neil Jordan, 1984. That, that was I one of the ones I, I almost brought up after I realized that I left it off on my list. Yeah, that one was pretty cool. Uh, the some of the horror aspect of it, I remember seeing it as a kid, and it and it, the transformation stuff was really scary, and it still was pretty creepy for me to watch it. You know, like last week or two weeks ago. Um, it, I think this was like his first or second movie. I'm not sure, but that it was. It was good. I enjoyed it. It was it was cool. And Stephen Ray was in this one. Yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> and um, the cabinet of Dr. Caligar- Caligari. Have you guys seen that? Yep. The Robert Wine, the German expressionist one from 1920. Um, it appeared on so many lists for when we were doing the underrated, yeah. overrated, but no, I haven't seen it yet. I think it's Nicolas Cage's favorite movie uh, in where he plays himself in the unbearable weight of massive talent. And he talks about it a lot. And I've seen it in a lot of lists too. And it was on Tubi and the quality on Tubi was so bad that I went onto YouTube and it was much better. Um, and yeah, it, the sets were, were super cool and it, it was really good, and it also feels like a uh, major influence for Guillermo del Toro. Uh, 
along with, and this is the last one, The Phantom of the Monastery, 1934, which is a Mexican film directed by Fernando, Fernando de Fuentes. Um, and it hits a lot of the cliches. Do you guys know of this one? I would imagine probably not. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one. Nay. Yeah, I just... I just typed in gothic into my criterion search and it'll just like come up with movies where it's described. And there was like only six of them. And I was like, Oh, 1934. So it's like an hour and a half, maybe a little bit less. So it it's three, uh, hitch three, three hikers, not hitchhikers, three hikers, uh, and they come across this monastery, and it's raining, and they go in there for the night, and there's all these monks, and then there's this, like, creature, and there's kind of, like, a love triangle going on, because the one, there's a man and a woman, they're married, but the other, um, it seems like that they have been, there's an affair going on, or about to go on, uh, in it predominantly through the movie and kind of the woman gets kind of like under this spell as soon as she enters this place. It, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but also it seems like, uh, Guillermo del Toro roots. Uh, yeah. That, uh, those are mine. Cool. Chris, you have any more? I watched a movie today that I had seen on a couple of lists for uh, the fairy tale stuff called Tale of Tales. It was um, directed by a French person, I believe, Matteo Garone. Uh, and it had a pretty stacked cast Selma Hayek, Vincent Cassell, Toby Jones, John C. Riley. Um, and it was an interesting movie. It's three stories that kind of come together and split apart and come back together. Uh, in the vein of like the old Grimm's fairy tales, the ones where, you know, like blood and death and, you know, no happy endings. Um, and I, I was glad I watched it, but, um, I don't know if I necessarily would have put it on my list. Uh, but it was definitely interesting and horror adjacent. I mean, like this woman gets her skin flayed. Another woman gets raped by an ogre. It's, I don't know. I could definitely see Kevin enjoying it. Kent, you probably too, but that's more of a up in the air kind of thing. So to a lesser extent of yes. Kevin enjoying yeah. a rape of an ogre. Well, I mean, you don't, you don't, see, that. You don't see that. I mean, it's, it's off screen. But yeah. <laughs> The worst part is I've definitely looked this movie up because I, I don't know. I think it came up like on iHorror maybe or something like that. And I was like, oh, uh, Toby Jones and John C. Riley. I was like, yes, I would like to see this. And then I just never, I don't, I don't know if I ever just never saw it available. Like, did you find hey, I, it streaming? I watched it on Tubi today. Yeah, I, I remember this, this was again. It's on Prime, I, I used to have... um. Uh, a program called Showbox that basically you could stream shit or you could download. You know, it was basically pirating. Um, and 
so for a while when I was at work, you know, I would I had 12 hours a night where I wasn't watching anything. I would just watch, you know, like everything that came out as, um, as it was coming out. And this was one of the ones that showed up towards the end of the time I was using it when I was, um, watching, you know, Dr. Who regularly. And that was taking up my nights. Um, and I never got around to watching it before I just stopped using the program. Um, very striking, you know, I mean, you can definitely tell it wasn't filmed by an American, but they used American actors and filmed it in English. So that was interesting. Um, yeah, I was, I was glad I watched it. It was, it reminded me of like a Terry Gilliam film. So, I mean, take, make of that what you will. I really enjoy him. I know there are people who don't. My girlfriend saw this, and when I was telling her about this list, she was like, oh, Tale of Tales, I just saw that. She's like, and then as I'm, like, watching these movies, she's like, you're watching that Tale of Tales? And I, I'm like, no, and I just didn't <laughs> didn't get around it, but it looks awesome. I, I looked it up then, and I was like, yeah, okay, and then it kind of got away. She was sick for, like, a week, and I had to go to the emergency room with her, so I, like I said, I didn't get to do as, as many, but uh, it's on AMC Plus at the moment, and... I will uh, check that out, but probably not any. Probably not this month because I am a little uh, Victorian dressed out at the moment. Oh yeah, we got a, a lot of stuff to to watch coming up for this month too. So, all right, Kent. I know you've been sitting dying to give us your honorable mentions. So, all Let's right. See. This is exciting, not really. Alright, so, first and foremost, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. What a... Are, have, you, have either of you seen this? Like, it's the greatest Scooby-Doo of all time, bar none. Make no mistake about it, but I don't understand how the hell it made it onto a gothic horror list. Like, I have I have not seen it. Kevin? Uh, I actually may have seen this uh, direct video 1998 I feel like I put it on in the video store uh, when I worked days it used to be on Cartoon Network quite a bit every once in a while and like it's a good story like they go down to like Louisiana on the bayou and I don't know there's some good side characters and the animation's pretty good the music's pretty good like it actually has a lot of things going for it, but I just, for the life of me, can't figure out why it's possibly considered gothic horror. That, that's all. Unless maybe southern gothic, I, I guess. If, But even then, I, I just, I, I don't see it, but I, I wanted to just include it because it made me giggle. Um, well, are they on a, what's the storyline to it? So, the, well, there's a, they're the mystery team, so what are they? The mystery machine? So there's definitely... That's the name of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're all about the mystery. Um, burden protagonist, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, man. It, it's good, though. It's good stuff. It's like the only Scooby-Doo I think I own on Voodoo. Maybe I own the, the live-action movies, which... I really enjoyed, quite frankly. There's always a haunted house. That's a whole other thing. And a twist ending. There so. is. There is. You're right. Um, 
So, all right. Other ones I have that kind of... Well, we talked about Sleepy Hollow, and I just watched that yesterday. I had a really good time with any number of people that were in it. Uh, am I still... Am I the only one that was thrown off, though, by Christina Ricci being blonde? Uh, I mean, at the time, yes, considering, you know, a lot of the stuff I've seen since then, not anymore. Right, not anymore. I think at the time it was very, you know, just based on everything I'd seen her up to that point. Um, yeah, that that's about the only thing I really want to add to Sleepy Hollow. Uh, oh, wait, no, there's another thing. Um, the old Nickelodeon TV series, Are You Afraid of the Dark?, also did an episode on the Headless Horseman, and it was fantastic. Yeah, that um, was like one of the first seasons, right? I, uh, no. I, I think so. I have all of them downloaded, and I have them on Voodoo, but Voodoo made the great choice of just putting them completely out of any semblance of order, so every time you go to a new episode, you have basically like four new faces around <laughs> the campfire, plus like... The, the brother duo until the older brother left the show and that's just the younger brother. So, whatever. But, yeah. Good good show. Good episode. Good times. Great. Uh, yeah, I, I almost put Interview with the Vampire, but I just didn't feel like watching that movie again. I haven't watched it in a while, but I watched that movie a lot in the 90s to a point where... Eh, I Honestly, if I don't ever see Interview with the Vampire again... I'm not going to be sad. Like, I really, really, really like the movie. It's one of those things, though, that sometimes you watch a movie too many times in a short period of time, you just give zero fucks about watching when it. When was again. the last time you so, saw it? With that. Uh, you know, the thing is, I'm not even sure if I watched it for any of my Octobers. I may have, and if I did, it would have been like year one or two. So I've been doing that for close to a decade now so i'm gonna say we'll say 2014 which yeah, i don't I know it. like for me like i, I w- i've watched that movie i saw it in the theater i was a huge christian slater fan um so and he wasn't always in like the biggest movies that were gonna play in the you know the holiday in theater uh that only had two two screens right so when it would because <laughs> it's before the the movie plex or whatever it is so yeah. Um, hey, that place was big enough yeah, to have and then, like, sleepwalkers. Phoenix just died, and that was like a big thing. But I'm like number one Christian Slater fan, so it was super cool. I, everyone else went to see it because of Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise. Um, it, it is like a perfect example of, um, and it's probably my number one favorite gothic horror movie of all time. Uh, but I felt like you guys probably talked about it, and I know I've mentioned it briefly here and there, but. Um, the 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 scene uh, where they do with Stephen Ray in Neil Jordan movie uh, where they do the I guess the play or their show. Um, Dude, that's the one scene we watched yesterday because Raylene Raylene was like, "What's the movie that they were on stage and they did stuff?" I'm like, "It was Interview with the Vampire," so I like brought it up. So and, that was the only thing watched so, yesterday. So that's so incredible happy. that scene, watching it now. And then I saw Phantom of the Opera, and like they have a scene where this um, one of the people levitates, and it looks like they're like, and this is before we get to the Phantom, and it looks like they're like levitating without. Um, 
you know, it's really far away, 1925. But, uh, like, what, I don't know, what they did in an interview with the vampire in that scene, like, that's just a glorious, glorious... I've seen it so many times, too, and I was like, do I want to watch it, or do I want to get, you know... I think I'm definitely going to upgrade it to, to Blu-ray, because I do love love that movie. Um, and even more now than I did ever growing up, and I've seen it so many times, because... It was it was different than anything I saw back then, and especially of that time. It it was it was actually one of the few movies. And I say few, like if I said that I owned VHS movies that were actually from the store, as opposed to like recording off of HBO or Fox or something. It was like one of like twenty to thirty VHS tapes that I actually went to the store and bought and loved. That, that damn movie um, yeah it, it's so good and I mean Banderas like I always forget that Banderas is in it until like he shows up in the dark else it's awesome in this and the story is is uh, Christian Slater uh, yeah auditioned for that part of Antonio Banderas and oh my god how horrible would he have been <laughs> and he didn't want to come back but it wasn't um, but because River Phoenix died and he kind of felt you know, he's of that era of actors and like, you know, Hollywood actors hanging out on the scene and shit. He ended up doing it and then famously donating right. the money that he got paid for it to the like, River Phoenix Foundation. Yeah. I, I love his role in it too. Like, I mean, because. It's not a huge role, but because he's in it from beginning to end in, but, in capacity. Uh, plus, he's in it during. Oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. To meet you, like, song. And yeah, and it's just, and it's a central role, but it almost like, but then like huge chunks of the movie, like you forget that he's even in it, <laughs> and it's like the movie's called Interview with a Vampire because you just get right. taken by all the the glitz and glory of that movie. Did either of you watch uh, the not. series that was on AMC? I, I have not. I, it didn't look that good, I didn't think. I want to say that they started throwing a lot of the politics into it, and I was like, at this point, Anne Rice is dead, so she can't even bring up whether or not she would be approving of that. Uh, so, I mean, I was going to say, when when. Kevin, when you were saying you watch it for Christian Slater and everybody else is watching it for Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise, I watched it because I read the book before it came out and I wanted to see how it uh, translated. And I think they did a pretty good job. I uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, I also enjoyed Queen of the Damned, which was a far cry from being anywhere near as um, uh, faithful to the books. But A lot of people know, who liked the books was it was. like Queen of the Damned yeah. more. Do you like Queen of the Damned more than Interview of the Vampire? Uh, no. Interview of the Vampire is definitely way closer to the books. And Queen... Well, uh, Queen of the Damned has probably my favorite soundtrack ever in movies, so that's got that going for it. But, um... Uh, they they attempted to combine Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned and ended up doing just a worse job for, uh, trying to combine them. But at least, um... Stuart Townsend ended up doing that instead of Aragorn, which gave us Viggo Mortensen as, you know, like, one of the best characters in movies, so. Yeah. 
So I'll, I'll finish this off with the last honorable mention. And I think it's a movie I brought up, I don't know, a few months ago. And I just didn't have the time to watch it. was uh, The Vampire Happening, which is the 70s sexy movie on Amazon Prime. Uh, where this young actress ends up like at the castle and she reminds, I don't know, Dracula or whoever of like her grandmother back when she was pretty and I don't know, there's sexy parties and it's everything like you think of from a trashy seventies movie, but it's also fun if you're okay with those type of movies. Uh, it's a lot of fun, quite frankly. Um, when when Dracula shows up to a party in a helicopter with a bat uh, logo, uh, a vampire bat logo painted on, you you know you're watching something of high, high, high quality. Uh, so once again, I I will definitely recommend the Vampire Happening on a, on Amazon Prime. So sold, <laughs> sold. Put it on my watch list. Yeah, for, for did you use the word? <laughs> yeah, you used trashy. I was like, did you use the word trash? Because you had me at that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess the last thing we always find out what people are watching as of late. I think I saw the vampire happening. Have you really? <laughs> I, yeah, I think I did. Chris, you have terrible taste in movies. Well, <laughs> sexy vampires. How can you go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I looked at it, man. Like, it just sounded so absurd and it delivered. At, like, yeah. Kevin, all you have to do is watch the trailer, and I'm convinced you will be 100% sold. Like, yeah, I need to see this. An hour and a half, it's 70s trashy. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, it's, well, hour and 42 minutes. So, but yeah, if it's under yeah. two hours, I can pretty much. I'll. I'll do it. it. It seems like it probably should be an hour and a half. It should have 12 minutes cut off. And I haven't even seen the movie yet, but... Oh, yeah, you could definitely cut off some time, but not too much, or else you're going to lose too much of the trash. Okay. Then we won't want to do that. Um, so, what... I've watched so many movies. I've been trying to catch up on newer movies. Um... But I will keep it to um, – at first, I, do, I just saw out of my collection Ravenous, and I haven't seen that movie in like 10 years. I bought it at Goodwill for probably like less than $5, uh, and I always thought that movie was cool. It's been a long time. I really didn't remember it as well. Um, I kind of remembered parts about it as it happened, but I really didn't – like it's really cool. It's really great, but I really didn't – like the ending kind of like wasn't as good as the rest of the movie. And it kind of bothered me. And usually I don't have a problem with that, but uh, yeah, uh, you guys love ravenous. Everyone that I know loves that movie. I, we, we've talked about this on here. Ravenous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to rewatch it. It's been a long time, but I was disappointed, especially based upon like the cast. You know, especially like a lot of the people who are bit backup players are now people that have fucking you know, like Jeremy Davis, uh, Neil McDonough, you know, like people yeah. that I 
I don't know from a, a hell of a lot of other things that I hadn't seen them in before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy Davies. I didn't really know if I knew any of those guys aside from Jeffrey Jones when that movie came out. I probably I knew David Arquette. Arquette. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if I knew who Guy Pierce or Robert Carlyle were, for example. I knew uh, Robert I mean, Carlyle from the full from Train Spotting. Oh yeah, Train Spotting, yeah. Full Monty. Oh, wait, oh Full Monty came up before him, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, and, so I would have known. And Guy that. Pierce, I knew from um, uh, Memento, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, before this. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I don't feel alone. Robert Carlyle is good in it. I don't know. There was just there was sort of like it had like a goofy vibe to it, which I was okay with. And then, but I mean, it really doesn't. I don't know. I guess it was kind of kind of weird. But um, yeah, Jeffrey Jones was actually pretty good in it. Um, and I did not uh actually realize so. That he was uh, arrested, uh, or any of that. Was that before Me Too? Uh, yes, yes, so. before Me Too. I want to say it was probably like 2004, 2005. Oh, wow. So that's like why you never saw him. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Um, okay, so I've seen some new movies. I saw Barbenheimer. Uh, I went and saw Barbie and... Oppenheimer back to back. It was uh both of them were really fantastic. I won't like break it all down, but the one thing that was cool about it was uh it was on Thursday night preview, so Barbie was at four ten and then Oppenheimer only had the one showing. So I went to Barbie four ten. There was a bunch of women there. Actually I was the only guy besides one other guy and he was dressed in pink with his girlfriend. I went by myself. Um and uh i laughed throughout the entire movie it was so it was it was super super good uh and uh and then oppenheimer had a very different crowd uh it was all old like old men like like over the age of 70 uh for the most part uh so it was kind of cool to go to like two movies back to back that i've never done that before it was you know, I was there for like six hours. It was like, you know, basically five hours for both movies. Uh, so it took a lot out of me and it probably did a little bit disservice to Oppenheimer because Barbie was like so much fun. And I don't know. I, I love Greta Gerwig. I will go see any of her movies. I went and saw Little Women by myself. I saw Lady Bird by myself uh, in the theater. And, uh, I think and now I have to see all of her movies by myself. Crowds of women of all ages. Uh, yeah, and then I saw Indiana Jones, The Flash. Uh, those are and, and Bo was afraid. Uh, you guys get a chance to see any of those? Bo was afraid. How is it? Yeah, I, it's three hours long, and it's not streaming yet, but I really want to see it. I bought it. I pre-ordered it. Uh, I do not regret it. I, it's the best movie of the year for me. It's, uh, but Was Afraid is number one. Infinity Pool is number two. Barbie is number three. Oppenheimer is number four. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's a perfect movie for me. So, But yeah, it, three hours... 
It's it's Ari Aster's masterpiece, and it is not a horror movie, but it's totally done by someone who's done horror. It's so excessive and crazy, and all the performances are great. And uh, uh, it's it's a journey, so it goes through different characters, and you know, different parts of the of the movie have different you know characters in it. And uh, Nathan Lane, you know, I don't get to see him in too many movies so often. I, feel and and in this movie you just you're like wow people probably just underuse this guy because he is just terrific or he just only does very selective about his projects so um indiana jones not great but i would give it a thumbs up but it's the most ridiculous of all of them and uh yeah so yeah sweet so what about you guys Uh, show and movie wise, I I've re-binged Justified to catch up before Justified season uh, uh, City Primeval came out, and so far I've been enjoying that. Halfway through, I caught up on Secret Invasion with my wife, and I was absolutely disappointed in the potential that they wasted. Uh, I've watched. Wait, wait, wait. Is it worth even watching then? Because I've been holding off watching Secret Invaders, and now you're making me sad with your words. <laughs> uh, I mean, think about it. Samuel Jackson's like first main thing with him at the helm of a MCU thing. Right, yeah. That's it, what got it, me it was, excited. It was, dis- it was disappointing. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I would even say watch it. Uh, I might say okay. skip it. Uh, I've six eighths of the way through the Witcher season three and uh, I can see why Henry left um, uh, the one thing I wanted to ask is have you guys seen the trailers for the Saw and Exorcist sequels? I have not mm, I didn't even know there was a trailer for Saw because last I heard production got shut down yeah uh, the trailer came out yesterday oh, son of a bitch with the release of it and uh, I believe it's releasing in October, like they did with most of them. Uh, I think the only one that didn't was the last one, the Chris Rock one. I think yeah, got released like in summer in July. July. Well, I started it and I fell asleep. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean the the kills were cool, but overall, eh. oh no, this is coming beyond out. predictable. Coming out September 29th, so I guess right before October. Reverse nine deuce. That's great. <laughs> I mean, it's September the ninth month with a 29. This is a movie that is set for me, and I can watch it before I go mad in October. I'm excited. And I saw the trailer for The, the Exorcist, the new one coming out. I didn't even realize it was an Exorcist movie at first. I was like, what the, this, this looks good. And then I saw, I was like, holy shit, that's Ellen Burstyn. And she's playing the same role. I was like, "Damn!" Uh, so I'm I'm hesitantly hopeful for both. Weren't they doing a TV show, or did they already do the TV show? They first? they did the TV show. I want to say I think they had two seasons, maybe. I mean, this okay. this one is called The Exorcist something. Uh, you know, so evil demand sacrifices. Believer. So, well, maybe. Yeah, The Exorcist uh-huh. believer. Yeah, I, I have both things pulled up, so as soon as this podcast is over, I'm definitely going to watch both of them. I'm excited. 
All right, and what about you, Kent? Um, all right. So for I, I did watch two Marvel movies. I watched uh, finally watched the Doctor Strange into the whatever the fuck it was. Uh, had a lot of fun. I'm still mad that I didn't watch uh, WandaVision because I know I would have gotten a little bit more, but I read up enough on WandaVision so that I wasn't necessarily in the dark while watching the the Doctor Strange movie, and that was probably my favorite uh, Marvel movie in, I don't know, quite a few years. Uh, I don't remember the last Marvel movie I really, really like really thoroughly enjoyed i i didn't watch the newest guardians yet i don't know if that's on disney yet um probably the last marvel movie i truly truly loved was uh thor ragnarok i really enjoyed so it's been a while uh that I was that happy um and of course i followed that up with eternals and i was immediately sad uh the casting for eternals could not have been worse like it was a star-studded cast, but it didn't make sense. Like you would have, re- you would reverse Kit Harrington and, and Richard Madden first and foremost. You would have given Kit Harrington the lead. He would have been better lead in, in the fucking movie. Uh, I I don't even know what the fuck Selma Hayek was doing. Angelina Jolie. I, I don't even know why the fuck she's on my screen anymore because I, I just I never really liked her. Uh, I I would say like the high end for me was like. Everybody else that was like, um, I I don't know the characters' names at this point, but like the the girl she played Connie in Walking Dead, she she's the deaf one. I really liked her. I liked uh, the black dude. He played uh, Limon in Bullet Train. He was awesome. So it was like all the side characters I really kind of got into, but the main ones I I gave zero fucks about. Uh, so I'm not recommending Eternals for anybody that hasn't seen it. And we're never getting the sequel that was promised, so and I'm okay with it. So when fuck off. when I do my list, redo my list, I think Eternals is going to be at the very bottom. Dude, yeah, and man, right just... above it is going to be Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> what? <sighs> that risk. It's it's just as much Sam Raimi as it is a Marvel movie. The I. I really like Sam Raimi, and I was super fucking disappointed with that movie. <laughs> he, was, he felt the, less the, like a oh, hired the gun biggest, than the rest of them. The biggest change is that red means go and green means stop. Ha ha ha! Like I, I remember people being like, "Oh, the musical fight is so badass," and then I see it, and I'm like, "This is what fucking people were like going insane over." Uh, no, I thought um, fucking what's your name, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Did a really good job in that. Uh, except for the fact that, like, it immediately undoes, like, all of the fucking growth that she showed through WandaVision, which is probably the best Disney Plus show that they've done so far. So, yes, I don't know. I'd, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I still had fun with it. I don't know. I, yeah, I it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. horrible movies, it so. wasn't horrible. Yeah, I would agree. Phase 4 and what we've seen so far of Phase 5 have not been good. It hasn't been anywhere near as bad as you know all the naysayers and the doomsayers are saying like i I watched ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and i know that's like the lowest rated thing that they've got out there and i was like that it was actually pretty good it wasn't bad yeah i I um, actually liked it uh i saw that too uh 
it, I liked it more than the other two Ant-Man movies. Uh, and the only thing I really uh, would notable about him was that I really liked um, Michael Pena in it, and he's not in this one, and I still liked it more than the ones that he was in. So, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I would say, th- like, the biggest problem Marvel's got going is that they're diluting the brand so much. Yeah. You know, it was... It was one thing when we got two movies a year, you know, and they they built up to, you know, an Avengers movie, you know, after two years, four years, whatever. But we're getting, what, two movies, four shows, and nothing to tie everything together. So, like, all of the fucking arcs are, like, separate. We haven't... You know, they've introduced enough new characters that you could have had a new Avengers and not touched any of the original ones if all those actors wanted out, and they still haven't done it. And, uh, I mean, we're looking at, what, the, the next Avengers movie they're talking about doing is going to be 2026, and we're only in 2023? That's, like, too little too late. That's the opposite of, like, what fucking DC was doing, where they were trying to throw, you know, oh, we'll do one Superman movie, and then we're into the fucking Avengers kind of shit. Yeah. Um, the, the best has been Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and that has nothing to do with any of the other movies, it feels like. Uh, like, it doesn't feel like it's to expand the universe, it's to close out the Guardians and James Gunn, what he started with, with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Because the first one was the introduction, and then the second, Guardians, was, like, really into what was going on in the Avengers universe. Um, and then... Uh, Guardians Three. I, I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that's probably the best one in a long time? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Eternals was just like Eternals. A, I, cash I, Eternals sucked. It was a bunch of money spent, like on Chloe Zhao won Best Director for Nomadland, and then she did a Marvel movie, and basically, probably because she didn't really get once you. So what I heard from Gus Van Zant was when he did Goodwill Hunting is that all, if you're nominated for best director, every studio every like everyone tries to get a deal with someone. Every studio is trying to get a deal with someone. So if they win, then they have their next project and I feel like she just took the biggest paycheck and did that and she tried to do her own thing, but it's like I she's got some movie about a horse or something that was before Nomadland like it just doesn't make sense and i feel like what kent was saying no, Salma Hayek, no man land was was a good movie yeah. but it's it's not something that you turn around and say let me give this director a tentpole action movie and 200 million dollars and see what she can do during covid um, so it was probably I mean, even way more expensive than it yeah. needed to be uh yeah. the visuals and, were cool uh, but yeah it and Eternals aren't like a mainstream thing, and they change them so much that I like I don't know what the fuck they were going for. Like in the comics, Thanos is a fucking Eternal. Like his the whole reason he's fucked up is because he's the son of an Eternal, two Eternals, but he's got the fucking Deviant virus, which is why he looks like he does instead of being all fucking handsome and good looking like the rest of them. So they should have probably added that before they killed him yeah like the harry the harry styles character is literally thanos's brother well he shows up in the um in the after credit scene in eternals yeah i i don't think i even made it yeah, part. right after that they promise you know eternals 2 will return 
it may, so yeah, like it makes me excited for Guardians DC. Three was definitely the best. Um, it makes me excited for what James Gunn's going to do with yeah. the DC thing, and that they're rebooting that also. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have to see. Like, as much as I love comic books, um, when you when you throw it as much as you have, you're just going to dilute everything, anyways. And between you know the the boys and all the shit going on at at Prime, Marvel, DC, uh, you know, like um, Netflix signed a deal with Mark Millar to bring the Millarverse to, you know, like the guy who did Kick-Ass and Old Man Logan and wanted, you know, to bring his stuff to Netflix. So, I mean, there's just a shit ton of stuff going on. Like, I really liked Invincible. Three years later, we're finally getting four episodes, and then who knows when the second half is going to come out because of the strikes. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, like I said a couple months ago, one of my big projects this year to actually get done is to to go and rewatch all of the Marvel shit and then reorganize my rating that I gave to them, you know, right before Endgame came out. We'll see if that actually happens because the video game slate has been super full this year as well. Yeah. Right. And that was actually something I was going to get to after. I, I had a couple other things I wanted to just... Um, I watch a lot of shit on Netflix lately, which, you know, I'm mad at them for the money. Uh, I watched the American Gladiators documentary, which I would definitely recommend for anybody that liked American Gladiators back in the day. I finally finished all the uh, the Toys That Made Us series. I've almost finished uh, the movies or the films that made us. I don't remember. I think it's the movies that made us. Uh, and I tried watching the... I, well, I, I finished watching the... Pepsi Harrier Jet one, and that one they just dragged on for fucking ever, and I would, uh, I would say don't even bother, unless you have at least an extra hour that you don't mind just wasting. For what the toys that made us, or is it just a documentary um, on its, its own? The yeah, toys that made us. Good. No, that one's yeah, good. Those are great. Watch all of those. Even uh, My Little all Pony. Um, and same with the. Yeah, the My Little Pony was. Was that the last? No, I don't remember what the last one was. I, I saved like all the girl toys till till the end, so it was like that Barbie and I feel like I'm forgetting one of the other ones that I watched at the very end. But they were all fun. Um, no, this other one, I think it's like Pepsi. Where's my jet or something like that? Is is the one I'm not recommending. Um, I'm also going to recommend if you liked Squid Games. And wanted a real life equivalent minus all the murder. There's a show called The Physical 100 where they play games, and it's like all these athletes of various sports and bodybuilding and stuff competing. And that was a that was a fun show. Once again, if you liked American Gladiators, you might reality show? enjoy that. Um, it was a just a competition. I think it was like six oh. six or eight episodes long. It, I, we binged in a day. It was it was fun for me at least. Uh, the last episode gets a little tedious because at that point it's like all about stamina. So you're just watching the same kind of stuff, so to speak. Whereas the the variety just isn't there. But that makes sense in the competition. I like, like the challenge that. a lot. Um, so I've gotten into that in the past year. 
Um, and that sounds sort of similar to that. Yeah, it, it's fun. I mean, it's all uh, South Korean, and it, it's a lot of fun. And the best part is, like, the dubbing is kind of like Iron Chef dubbing style, so it's pretty fun, by and large. Even though I think there's, like, one white dude who's an American, they still dubbed over him half the time, even though he was perfectly capable of speaking English. So, there is that. Um, one thing I found online was I got excited. It was like horror anthology TV series that you can now stream. First thing I saw was Tales from the Crypt. I was like, wow, when the hell did that happen? And it showed that it was on Tubi. So I go to Tubi, look up Tales from the Crypt. The ass clown that wrote the article clearly wasn't paying attention. It's the, it's the 1974 movie. It has nothing to do with the TV series. So the TV series is still not streaming anywhere, rest assured, unless you... You know, Tales from the Crypt Keeper cartoon, which is also on Tubi, but yeah, the original series isn't. Um, and finally, as far as. That's still happening, because I remember, like, I would see that Tales from the Crypt would be on, like, TV, and then I'd be like, oh, I want to watch this. And my dad would be like, no, you don't want to watch this one. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it was no. bad, but he just knew that I was younger and I wanted to see, like, the Crypt Keeper. Right. And- and that was actually on uh, the gothic horror list. That I yeah, it was. I, I saw that was on one of the lists. I was like, yeah, it, it has a place. Uh, but I saw a movie. Well, I, okay, first off, I want to see a movie called The Sadness. It's on Shudder. I plan on watching it before I get rid of Shudder. It sounds like a really, 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 really messed up movie. So, Kevin, I think you know, you'd feel at home with this. Um. But more importantly, a movie that I'm thinking Kevin may have seen. Have you seen or heard of a film called Speak No Evil? Yes. My girlfriend made me watch it last year, and she's like, this is, you need to watch this. And it was, it was pretty cool. It was, it was pretty cool. Slow burn. I don't know if I'm going to say, that movie kind of traumatized me. I can't say that about more than like two or three films in my life, but nah, like, I I like how creepy the one dude was. Not, like, the dad, but, you know, the people that they visit. That guy was great, but... The unemployed guy? Yeah, yeah. Right? Was the, the, he was like, I'm unemployed. Yeah, that, yeah, that guy that he, awesome. He was great, um, but, man, that ending, like, the last 10 to 15 minutes just hit caves in your chest with a fucking sledgehammer and I'm I, I'm telling anybody listening to this it probably isn't for you but you know if you really like all this other extreme stuff that you know we sometimes partake in give it a shot but I don't know some of it just kind of hit a little hard in, in my opinion at least uh, interesting story uh, just a really impactful last I don't know I would say last 10 minutes uh, all kind of fits into place. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I already, I already knew. And the way I, it I all... knew what to expect. I knew. I, I already had it spoiled for me, but it was kind of like the whole seeing is believing type thing. Like, oh, okay, they really showed this, this, and this. So, uh, Chris, if you ever plan on watching this, don't watch this with anybody. I, I heard about oh. this. Like, I had it spoiled <laughs> for me somewhere because looking at the, looking at the movie and then. Uh, 
seeing, reading the review, I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I must have read something on the internet about it. Yeah, close to the vanishing. It's like that's what it really kind of reminded me of. Not everything about it, but it had like that kind of twist ending. But it also all seemed pretty inevitable. I don't know. It did. That That is the thing. It felt really inevitable if you watch enough of this stuff. Like, it, I, I felt like you could kind of figure it out pretty early on. Your mind, but you're like, you don't want that to happen. So you're, you're like the whole time watching it and like your mind, not that I knew exactly what, how it was going to unfold, but you're like, you know, you don't want that to happen. You know, you want somewhat of a, you know, resolution <laughs> that you're content with. I don't know, but yeah, but also, you know, the movies that, you know, once, once you watch it, it like gives you this like feeling of a, you know, the pit of your stomach. And then, you know, but it like rings a bell at the same time where your brain starts thinking, but your like stomach is <laughs> like, Oh, you just got punched in the gut. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is probably the second movie that made me feel this way. There was only two movies. It was this and the girl next door. That movie just fucked me up. That when I saw it, like not the comedy one, but the much darker one. That's and and that didn't even set me off too bad until I read up like on everything that was like based in reality about the movie. I was like, okay, well that 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 feels wrong. So. uh yeah, that movie's on a list. I haven't seen it, but that's on a list of, uh, like, with, uh, like, Salo and just, like, Antichrist. I mean, I can like, give you a list, on, Kevin. It's on that list. Kind of, you're just... Yeah, there's, like, a list of, like, you know, the 50 most, like, hard-to-watch like hard to watch movies. Yeah, it, it, for me, it, uh, does, it hits. The Serbian film. A Serbian oh, film. Yeah. Shit. Cannibal Holocaust is on the, all those lists, I and I'm like... It. There's one whole scene that's kind of tough to watch. Like people need to stop putting that on those lists. But that's that's my soapbox stand. Uh, mm. Have you have you seen an Untold Story? No. Have you have you guys heard of that one? It's like a Hong Kong cat three from 1993. It's it's it should be on that list. I, I imagine it probably is. And it's like there's one scene that's like, but that I highly recommend the Untold Story. Okay, but I'll check that out. I guess um, it's also true crime. But anyways, uh, I, I do want to bring up something when you guys were talking about Marvel and all this. I, I came across this uh, earlier in the month. It was a video on YouTube. I would definitely suggest people watch it. It's called "Why Modern Movies Suck," and then there's a dash, and this is the strong female character. Yeah, you're watching the critical drinker now. Is that who that was? Yeah. Okay. I I was like, I feel like nobody commented, and I'm like, maybe people didn't watch it to like actually understand like this made sense. Like this wasn't making fun of like women or women actresses. It was making fun of how horrible the writing is for these characters, which is you know something we've well we've talked about a few times with just the movie Prey, for example. Uh, I, I I just I. Wish more people would watch it so they understood, like, when I bitch about movies, and especially about female characters, it's not about their performances, typically. It's really about how horrible the writing is. So, 
just trying to bring some attention to that. And yeah. as Chris alluded to earlier, video games have occupied this whole fucking month between Diablo 4 and now Remnant 2 is out. I'm like, oh, I, I came into this podcast unprepared because I've sunk X amount of hours into both games at this point. You're, you're, where are you playing Remnant 2? Where? Yeah, what, Xbox. Xbox. Damn you. Yeah, Eric, Eric and I both got it, so we could play. I don't have a good gaming PC. That's why, I like, you I, need to rectify that. But at least, at least Diablo Four is crossplay. So, yeah. Well, here's the fucking thing. You know, all right. Let me bitch for half a second. Like, no way. I, I've played Diablo with two people, and I have probably like ten friends that play it. Like, nobody's like on the same level. Nobody is on at the same time or whatever. I'm like. You know, I thought I was going to play this game with more people, and I've legitimately played with Eric and his wife, and then a dude in Britain that I talk to every once in a while, uh, who would be perfect for this podcast, because he's kind of like a mixture of all three of our personalities in some way. Like, he has seen like all the awful, horrible shit that Kevin and I watch, but he probably reads, he's pretty well read like you are, Chris. So... Yeah, he he actually got me to watch a Bay of Blood, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but that was there's a lot of stuff that inspired from that movie that inspired the original Friday the Thirteenth, and possibly the ending of, or a, a, a scene from Assault on Precinct Thirteen. So uh, if you ever get a chance to watch a Bay of Blood, it also has like two or three other names. It's I don't know if it's Argento. It might have been. It's worth a watch though. No, I haven't seen it, but yeah. I haven't I seen it either. I, I think it was like, I don't know, it was on like one of those free-to-stream, you know, with ads thing. So, I don't know, I just talked to my Roku and said Bay of Blood and whatever uh, came up. So, it's it's old. It's got the, you know, the awful-looking fake blood and stuff, but it, I don't know, I, I think you guys both would enjoy it. What are we doing next month? All right, guys. Um, I think pretty much that's going to wrap up this month. Next month, we are going to be doing uh, a guilty pleasure and a hopefully fan favorite. But we're going to be going over the entire... Um... Shit, I just, I just blinked. Uh... <laughs> Boy! <laughs> the entire Phantasm... Uh... Uh... What the hell's the word? Franchise? Thank you. There yes, we go. Franchise, yeah. yes. yes. I couldn't think of it either. The entire Phantasm franchise. <laughs> now, I don't know. It's kind of like... fun just watching you just spin your tires there for <laughs> Spinning tires goes back to maximum overdrive. <laughs> uh, I've only seen the first two, but I've, maybe I've seen Phantasm 3 when I was younger, but I don't remember it. But I really enjoyed them. So I'm hoping that. Uh, three, four, and five, uh, at least continue the enjoyment. And, um, it's, I mean, I know it's stuff that we brought up, but, uh, it's, it's out there enough that I think it's something that people have heard of, but not necessarily something, especially more modern audiences have seen. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, I, I ended up buying the, there was a set, uh, the Phantasm series on 
Blu-ray and it was on sale and I, I snagged it for Kevin because I knew we we had difficulty finding what was it part two to stream I want to say yeah, yeah I think I rented it but thank you did did the disc come like were they individual or were they stacked on top of each other I was kind of curious I didn't open it yet I, I was I will let you know though I'll take pictures okay. I just wonder, you know, like some of them, like they'll stack like four well, or five weird, I'll take all pictures. on like one spindle. Yeah, I imagine that. Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's that is a good point. Yeah, I haven't seen what is. How do I have the Saw Eight movie collection? I think they're like the flip ones. The mm-hmm. the, the spindle is is the 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 bad way to do it. It's always the most annoying one. I, yeah, especially when you're trying to do like the the middle ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially, yeah. uh, I'll say this without saying much else since I, I don't think either of you've seen the part five. The I don't last think one. it's the only one I haven't uh, seen, I believe. I'm just curious. I know we'll talk about more, but like when you watch it, uh, when you guys watch it, just send me a message and let me know if you feel sad while watching it. Cause that was like my immediate vibe. And also know that at one point Undertaker was supposed to be oh. in that movie. <laughs> It makes me sad that he's yeah. not in it now. Yeah, dude. I, I don't know. For whatever reason, like, I don't have, like, sadness while watching horror movies, but something about it, I was just like, this was definitely like, the epitome of the end of an era, I guess. So, uh, maybe because I just grew up loving these movies, uh, maybe it hit me weirdly. I don't know. Maybe you guys won't feel sad about it at all. I have no idea, but I'm curious. Um, and then what? September we're doing Hannibal, yep. right? Yep. September is Hannibal. Uh, do you want to just give a preview for the rest of the year? Absolutely. The people that haven't, you know, had a brand new podcast in five months really are, are yearning yeah. to know this. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, everyone. October is going to be horror icons. That's one I'm looking forward to. Uh, November is going to be a discussion piece. What? makes horror versus what makes uh, thrillers. And December, to stay in the non-horror theme for the month of Christmas, we're going to be doing our favorite musicals, although I will be talking about Repo the Genetic Opera, so there will be at least a little bit of horror in there. Possibly uh, The Devil's Carnival, but I don't know if I like the music as much. I don't know that one. I'll have to put that on my list. It was the, uh, it's, it's, uh, I think it's on Prime. There's like two of them. There were supposed to be ten, but it's, uh, movies made by the director of, like, Saw 2, 3, 4, and the guy who wrote the music and the screenplay for Repo. Yeah, I'll check that out. It's No shit. Yeah. Well, thank you for... All right, cool. Well, guys, thanks for joining us again for another monthly podcast that will eventually be up like six months from now. And Kent and Kevin, thank you for uh, joining me as well. Oh, yeah. Kevin, thank, thanks uh, for, thanks for letting me geek month. out with you guys. And thanks for just being here, I guess. <laughs> or thank you for being a friend and get Golden Girls song stuck in your head, maybe? Huh? My mom is uh, rewatching Golden Girls right now. Probably not right now because I think she's asleep. But yeah, 
<laughs> in this it, in this month, yes. I, I can't get rid of it on my YouTube TV. It keeps saying resume watching, so I'll mark it as, like, as say Marcus watched, and it just keeps cycling through season three. I'm like, okay, I'm just stuck with Golden Girls and American Dad for some reason. Can't figure that out, but hey, we never talk about Golden Girls on the podcast, so now we have. And just like that, have a good night, Internet. <laughs>